Welcome everybody to the Plat Chat Valorant Podcast, the audio and video experience. <laughs> I'm doing the doing the intro. Doing the intro again. again. And then make the same joke. Oh, it's like same we're on a, 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 a theme park ride. Intro. That's what it is. Hey, that's the joke I made. Let's, yeah, we're we're just uh, in the actual multiverse split. There's been a Nexus event. We're in a branch reality because we accidentally streamed the the first intro but it didn't go live but now we're recording it and now we're actually here and then i said like oh like i did something i said like have you guys heard, i don't know something about youtube and then josh said like oh mate i've been answering questions like that all week people in my family <laughs> like keep asking me about youtube so that's where we I'm left off speaking i haven't said a word on the podcast you're saying words that i said no and the unreleased yeah. footage in the lost episode yeah in the lost yeah, in the SpongeBob Lost episode, this—that's what you yeah. said. Yes, Have you guys seen the Matrix? No. no. <laughs> Have you seen no. the new one, Bala? <laughs> I think that's what he's asking for. I think he's asking about the new one, not the one from twenty years ago, <laughs> not, not the one from decades ago. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a, a fairly valid question if you ask people who are young enough. If you ask Zoo, well, I, my my little brother's never seen the Matrix movies. I keep listening off movies like because I'm well, home for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. He'd be like, the, the metaverse, what? You mean Facebook and stuff? He, he wouldn't know what you were talking about. Have you been getting into those situations where you're trying to explain to, like, grandparents what you what you do for a living? How you make your money? Why? My grandparents don't ask me anymore. Why is Josh so me. successful? What does he do? He talks online? Yeah. What is that? Is, well, that no, they don't, they, they, they've never, no one's ever framed the question, Josh is so successful, what does he do? <laughs> that, that prefix has never been added to the beginning of that question before. Now, they used, to, they used to tell people that I was into gaming, and they were so old that gaming to them means professional gambling, right. like poker and stuff. And so they thought that I just, I don't know, did slot machines for a living or something, <laughs> and just so made money doing that, I guess. Pretty good. What, what you guys have a good holiday? You do something good, Connor? Anything fun? Anything exciting? I uh, posted my saga of uh, oh, dude. Right. The specific camera angle was to not have the clothes in the background, but now the clothes on the better in the background. Dude, this guy's a disheveled mess. Shot. But God, well, so the specific yeah. saga I had was I arrived into Kona Land, into to Arkansas, is where my grandparents live, and upon arrival, we received a call. That they have had a COVID exposure because they went to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and so, and, I mean... and they, they told us this, and I was like, we'd already gone in the car with my grandfather, and then, he's, then my grandmother calls, and she's like, "Oh, we had lunch with my with my sister for, with my sister, and she tested positive, and this is we, we're all feeling kind of sick earlier this week because we went to the Cracker Barrel for meatloaf." And I'm like, God damn it. Like, we're already in the car, too. We've gone all this way. So I'm like, well, fuck. Now it's a COVID Christmas. Luckily, we brought tests with us, and everyone tested negative multiple times. So it's okay, if it seems. Or I've just unknowingly infected everyone. So I don't know. Either way. That's good. My, That's sister, my sister's been out of the house for a couple of days and just tested positive, and we told her she can't come back. So she's just homeless <laughs> at the moment. Forever. <laughs> just so, left her yeah. in the streets. What about you, Bala? This was the... This was the first Dude. ball of TW uh, family Christmas, huh? Yeah, so I don't have any funny stories. It was just cute as just fuck. cute and wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got That's... plenty of videos of the baby like trying to rip open presents. It's just too precious, too precious. That's no pretty. funny story. Pretty no. That's that's a good story though. That's adorable. That's cute. I didn't really do anything crazy. We didn't really do anything, did we? Huh? 
I mean, we, no, I we, asked you guys, and you said you weren't doing shit when I, when I was last yeah, we there. Just, we just vibed. We went to, uh, we hung out with Bren's family. Remember right. that? That wasn't on Christmas Day, but that was Christmas. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, would you guys, like, play bridge? <laughs> no. We, I mean, there was, mean we did everything. I mean, you could pull up one of those videos if you want, Kurt, that you... Tweeted or Britain's family doesn't seem like a bridge family. They no, seem they're like definitely not a bridge. They go family. back and they they're just pounding down bruise type of family. Yeah, That's it's definitely family. it's definitely more of that. It was a good time. It was it was very fun, very fun. Um, Kurt, if if you want to pull that video up in the meantime, I've got responsibilities to take care of on this podcast. Oh, because this episode has a sponsor. And they're called Manscaped. I, I don't love that. What? <laughs> what? Oh, dude. Here come the nuts. Here comes oh, Josh with the glowing sweater. Oh, Holy <laughs> sh... That's great. I mean, that is, wow. that is a great sweater. That is just wow. outlandish. Uh, engagement way up. This, this is the engagement I mean, through the roof now. I mean, the bits just... He just keep. He won't stop. He won't stop dancing. But of course, you can save 20% with code VALOCHAT20 at manscaped.com. Hey, fellas, this episode of Insert Show Name, that's Platchat Valorant. That's where <laughs> Platchat Valorant goes. Is brought to you by our favorite producers of Ball Trimmers, Manscaped trademark. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming are leaving 2021 with new product. Clean yourself into the new year with their ultra-premium body wash. Also, special offer alert that would be a good time for you to start dancing around josh let me say it again let me say it again he's so tired out wait, 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 wait. special offer alert what? there we go oh this, the offer is crazy it's out of control this is a sale. use the code use the code fellow chat 20 for 20 percent off Plus free shipping at manscaped.com. <laughs> oh, God. Four million men already trust Manscaped. Time to join them. Josh, you, you a little tired out wow. right there. <laughs> God, yeah, I'm, you, uh, you I'm a little tired after that, honestly. I, I've off. got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that's 20% Ooh. off. Code VALOCHAT20 at uh, manscaped.com. And uh, you get free shipping with that. And also, they want us to say Happy New Year to your balls. So Happy New Year to your balls. Now, all jokes yeah. and gags aside. You know what I love? What? Sorry, go on. No, go on, go on, go on. No, I, the, the products are actually great. I, ever since I, that is the only, the only trimmer, shaver. I love the, uh, the ball deodorant. Ever since they sent us that little care package when they first sponsored us, I've been getting maximum usage out of it. It is, uh, it is an excellent product. So... Mm-hmm. All right. Preach. Any uh, Kurt, did you wanna do you have a do you wanna play a video of Bren's family? I think Bren deleted that video for obvious reasons. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a couple couple bevies in when that little video got posted. <laughs> so if you saw it, that's a rare artifact. Uh, I did I right. received the kid. Well funny time out of the funny time's done it's time to talk about valorant it's time for that serious analysis that you come here for we've got a new agent teaser holy shit there's a screenshot of a shoe kurt pull it up <laughs> there it is <laughs> it's the next agent teaser kicking off wow. next year is an oh, i was gonna read the text 
but now I can't. I have a theory. Kicking off next year is an agent who can outpace the rest of the roster, shocking the competition and sliding straight into the fight. Josh, what's your theory? Okay. Let's, let's take a closer look into that wording, right? Outpace the rest of the competition. We're talking mobility, probably. Shocking. Yeah. Lightning, some kind of shocking, you know, electricity component. Sliding, maybe some movement. I know something that fits perfectly here. I'm thinking Arcane. You know the way that Arcane worked? The way that they kind of used um, the, the link with Fortnite and they had like the, their, their character into Fortnite and that was like cross-promotion that was being used to elevate their own show. I think the Valorant people have seen that and they've looked at the release mm. date of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which comes out <laughs> April 1st, 2022. And they've said, get that shit into the game right now. It's going to bang. And then the next one is Dr. Robotnik, and that's when I appear. So <laughs> so you think it's a... So is Jim, is Jim Carrey still in Sonic? Is he going to be in Valorant oh, yeah. as well? Oh, he's, he's, Dr. Egg, he's, he's coming back, yeah. Wow, yeah. excellent. Yeah, I can see where you're trying to... I can, I can see where you're trying to take us with that. At least uh, you didn't bring up uh, adding the gulag. I mean, that's that. that well, the yeah. gulag's played yeah. out well, at this point. Yeah, I mean that is played out, out, but the, some will never, some will never cease <laughs> the, <laughs> the hopes and desires to have it become reality. I mean, yeah, it does. Uh, I think Bren's knocking at our door right now. If you want to get the door, uh, well, you want me to get no, the door? No, I, he, <laughs> don't tell me this is actually. He's heard the gulag talk from here. Yeah, yeah. And he's here to, you he's here to talk about it. You right, why it's opening the door? There's no one there. I was making yeah, a joke I, as Bren does the gulag oh, joke. Wyatt actually just got <laughs> punked out. Wyatt, you just got punked out. Guys, Bren's here. You look like You're a fool. Yeah, I'm, I'm you look like a fool right now. Bren has to come <laughs> over. They're doing the other podcast. It all lined up. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. Does seem though That's like here's my real take. You guys want my Swirls real opinion? Water. Swirls of water. <laughs> this is champagne, actually. Uh, oh wow! No, it isn't. It's water. The real opinion is it's going to be a mobility duelist, and the shocking part is that they're going to be able to destroy set utility with some mm. sort of. Radius shock EMP shock dart Sova esque thing. So when you're playing your little killjoy, all your little alarm bots get blown up. That's that's my theory. Take it or leave it. <laughs> that would be cool. That'd be cool. Do you think they'll be able to run at like a knife pace or faster all the time? They, or everything that they've talked about so far in terms of the teaser <laughs> has been about moving quicker. The voice line says, I run quickly or I move fast or something like that. And then they've got sneakers and talking about... <laughs> and the voice line does not say, I run no. quickly. It says something like that. It's like, I it's run like, quickly. It's like, I go fast or something like that. I mean, <laughs> that would be a Sonic the Hedgehog voice line if we were to be into the game. So that would... That would check out if it's a character. Captain I the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, the other voice line that got leaked. I, I really think it would be cool if it was it's just straight up about movement speed, though, because like think about the ridiculous like just imagine like off the rip you buy like the hyper boost or something and you're just mm. running really fast 
And like, imagine like just in ranked or some shit, someone buys the hyper boost and they run it down mid as fast as possible, and they're just like there as as, as the doors go down, as the walls goes down. <laughs> that would be fucking crazy, right? That would be an insane character if that was or agent, I should say, if that was the case. Yeah, it would be weird. It would be. It would, it would be, be. It would be really weird, but I think it'd be cool because it would change the timings of the game a lot, right? It would change the timings of the game significantly if you have a character that doesn't exist within the modern. We don't need time. any more characters that change the timing. It's too late. It's too late. The timing of the game has already been broken. It will stay broken and continue to just break off in various directions. Honestly, this new agent, I'm gonna call now. It's the new jet. I don't know anything about it. New Jet, though. This agent is going to... It's uh, Mobility is too strong. Mobility is simply too powerful. And uh, it's, uh, it's a Soldier 76. Its only ability mm. is to run quick, and it's just yeah. going to be shite. If he gets by KO, he can't run. <laughs> <laughs> if he gets the KO EMP, he can't run. He's just, <laughs> his legs stop working. <laughs> All right. With a new agent coming in, though, and Chamber has been out for a little bit. I mean, there's new, uh, there's new agents coming out constantly. That, that's what Valorant is. That's what it's gonna, going to be. And I like it. It keeps it interesting. It keeps it fun. The meta shifts very frequently because of it, though. Um, so we're going to talk about the state of the agents a little bit. We're heading into the new year. People have been clamoring for, for a year outside of Riot headquarters for, you know, Jet nerfs. Uh, at the moment, I think even more so than Jet, I, I've... My, my feel, my heat check, I've tapped into the streets and the streets responded by saying, we hate Astra. I'm seeing an immense amount of Astra uh, dislike being posted via, you know, your favorite internet text forum or social media or blog. Uh, people are very mad at Astra at the moment. That's at least what I feel like mm. I've been seeing. Um, but heading into the new year, it seems like Astra and Jet are at the top of the nerf list. Please, um, Jet. Yeah, I mean, at this point, guys, we know there's a big there, there's a big patch coming, uh, which is what Kurt's showing right now. There's going to be a big early 2022 patch, changing a lot of agents. Surely, Jet and Astra get nerfed, right? Right, guys. No. Surely. Right, Josh. Surely. No. People have been saying that for ages. They are not going to nerf Jet. They're going to nerf her by making her like uh, smokes cost fifty credits extra or something like that. That that they don't seem to be willing so far to take an agent that's amazing and make them significantly worse. The, I think the what would you say the largest nerf has been to an agent so far in terms of Raze, maybe, trying to or sage. Sage has gotten Sage, nerfed a lot. But Sage was also incremental. Sage wasn't like one day they just decided to whack her on the head, which is yeah. what I think you need to do to Jet. She's had incremental changes, and she's still the most picked agent in the game. At this point, you need to just whack her on the head and be like, okay, even if we kill this agent for a while, she's dominated the meta for the last year. Like We can live without her for a little while while we figure out how to reintroduce her. She's not going to disappear forever. But like, I'm thinking... Omen. It's either... Uh -huh. Oh, Omen, you think? Yeah, I think I've it has to be Omen. I think Omen's it's like, in big, hindsight, yeah. it's not the paranoia change, which every, well, I mean, that that was pretty impactful, but not the, the price change. It's more the the big one, 3.0, I think it was, where they changed all the economy with, like, default abilities. That fucked Omen so hard, more than any anybody else, I think. Mm. I think Killjoy's change was pretty significant to her. I think it, you know, it's weird, because I think it, I think that's a, yeah. I think it was, but... She and still sees clear, so much play. The, she's the still range, 
good enough. Yeah, when they change when they but, changed the range for a lot of her util, I feel like that was like a pretty fundamental change to her kit that essentially took her from being like, oh, you can play her all the time to you have to be kind of like, okay, what maps? What is our stretch exactly? Like, it's not a universal hmm. agent anymore. I think the most comparable when you're thinking about Jet are Raze and Sage. Raze and Sage were both played all the time at the beginning of the game. And Raze was way overpowered and, and got knocked down pretty significantly. Reduced damage on blast packs to almost nothing. Deleted one of her nades. And uh, Sage just uh, over time just got whacked repeatedly. Yeah. Jet needs something like that, I think. And, and even if it makes her underpowered, I don't think that that's a bad thing. We've seen Jets dominate the game, playing their own game at times. It just feels like they're, on, they're playing their own little mini game. It would be good for the game to have a period of time where she isn't a permapick agent. And she always can be in the future. Like You're not saying the Jets are always going to be like a bad pick, but just knock her until she becomes like a 50% pick uh, or, or worse and reintroduce her afterwards by either reverting some of the nerfs or, or or tweaking it slightly but i'd really like to see what the game looks like without jet yeah i think it's gonna be interesting though once we actually start seeing chamber more frequently i think we've seen him two tournaments now mm -hmm. at least in na that i've been paying attention to um that hasn't had that significant of an impact against jet but but still i i do feel like any of the like the omen change for example didn't really matter as much because Asher was already in the game at that point, but if, mm. if they had come back then, I think it would have put him on par with Brim in terms of pick rate. That's, I agree, needed for, for Jet. But I don't think that's the only thing needed. I actually do vibe a lot with the people who are hating on Asher right now because she's just so prolific and annoying and changes the, the timing of the game like we mentioned before <laughs> yeah. in such a way that it's, it's hard to play around, honestly, and it slows the game down for a viewer that I don't, I don't like at all. Yeah, I mean, she she is outlandishly powerful to the point where the other smokers, like, playing them is just... It's... You have to play them in such niche scenarios with a niche approach to individual maps to get value out of them. Um, I mean, yeah, she she's just far too dominant to the point where it's it's not interesting anymore. Similar to, to Jet, where it's just... You see it so much, it's kind of lost its, its luster a bit. Um... Yeah, I, I I really would like to see an Astro nerf. I'd like to see a Jet nerf. Are there any other agents that we feel like we uh, need nerfs right now? Viper still. Yeah, I would like to see a bit of a change with Viper's pit. I think that's maybe the only thing with her kit. Um, maybe oh, so, Sova. something. I mean, I I I would I always want to touch Sova. That guy's fucking broken. Sure. I hate him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I'd just like to see them focus on introducing the new agents well, though. I think the the game in itself is reasonably balanced outside of a couple of outliers, and it's just about making sure that you actually find niches for the new agents that you're introducing rather than leaving them to die like Yoru. Now, I know yeah. that they are redoing Yoru's kit, but he was... I mean, this is like almost you're adding two agents at once because Yoru was just unusable. His pick rate was sad, like absolutely zero in terms of pro play essentially and so when he gets redone it's like two new agents coming into the game so if you don't solve things or at least get things reasonably good when you first introduce an agent it just compounds issues down the line mm -hmm. yeah I, I, the, the the one thing that did come out of the state of the agents actual blog post was that they mentioned doing a lot more balancing changes at least in early 2022 yeah this paragraph right here 
where they said they had stopped. I don't know. They, they didn't mention like VCT, but that was pretty evident that they didn't want to like change too much around champs. And now they're going to go back to the cadence that they had earlier, which is a lot more balancing changes. So we could see, for example, like a Phoenix get buffed just like randomly um, throughout yeah. these patches in the early year. That would be nice. I, I would was, like to see Phoenix come back. Yeah, I was going to say. So I would really like a Phoenix buff specifically because Phoenix has been just... It feels like almost Yoru tier at times. And like when you look at pro play in particular, like even all the maps were like, oh, Phoenix is still pretty decent, like Haven. Like when you, when, the, when it comes out, you're just like, this is pain when you watch the <laughs> Phoenix like actually playing and like trying to get value out of the util a lot of times compared yeah. to just picking another duelist. It's, it's interesting as well because Phoenix's ult is so good. It's still so strong, but yet... He's just not not viable based on everything else around the six orb very powerful ult that he has. He still remains unviable, which mm. I think might leave a, a potential for difficulty in balance because that that might mean that he's just he's on the he's on the knife's edge where he might just be one small push might make him too good because of how strong his ult already is and how uh, inexpensive it is. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think it's possible that if they buff Phoenix, he might just be instantly, or not maybe, not maybe not instantly, but people will come to realize that there's a ton of value in picking him if the rest of his kit gets buffed and then you have the really powerful six alt ultimate, or six orb ultimate, excuse me. That's why you need to tweak him by adding skill shots to his molly so that if you land it on a player, they are incinerated and just immediately crumbles. <laughs> Wait, does that, does that have to be a direct hit or can it bounce and then fall onto them? It, it can fall onto them, but that still counts as a direct hit because it landed on them on their head. I see. But it see. must, the actual impact of the molly must land on the player. So you're saying if they had a perfect lineup, they could theoretically insta kill someone if they were going for a defuse? Um, well, you know, when you defuse, you could be on either side of the spike. It'll be a very common. But if it were to end up on, on many common, like, diffuse no, spots, I think like, this is good. Just yes, absolutely. Like, like, you just counter the idea of body blocking a molly, like, because ah, that's so that's... prominent these days. <laughs> yeah, it's so smart. Yeah. You just yeah. cat the one person goes up and catches the molly and dies. Also, <laughs> the, also it should melt sage walls as well. Head, so. Yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should just be able to throw it at a sage wall and it just melts the entire wall. The walls See, melt that that's... cool. They, they should revamp the ability. It should just make your hands burn and you could just touch somebody. Just run around with a melee. That would be <laughs> sick. Okay. Turn it into Halo. Uh, we're going to move on. We got, uh, of course, as there will be for many weeks to come until the tournament circuit starts, we've got roster moves. Rosters are moving all over the place in all regions. You got regions trying to, you know, like in Korea, there, there are teams trying to be formed to compete with vision strikers. In other regions, Brazil, they are kind of trying to come together, make some, some super team-like creations, bunch of new orgs coming in, a lot going on. And in the NA scene, there's this dynamic at the moment, which we talked about a bit on the previous episode, where teams are looking for new players. There's a lot of great NA tier two talent, but a lot of them are, are on tier two org rosters where they have crazy buyouts. One of those orgs that reportedly had huge buyouts was Soar. Uh, Soar had two players on it that I think were of real note. Uh, Cryocells, who is their jet that's reported to go to Xset, and who we're going to talk about right now, Xander, who was a uh, Smokes player on that team, 
going to be joining version one after they have uh, they decided to part ways with odorous after playing with him for a short while and they decided to drop the bag to pick up xander with that giant head in that image just that <laughs> oversized photoshopped head <laughs> in that image <laughs> i mean i saw a lot of people making jokes about the these photoshop images because they are just hilarious that might be I'm going to say that photoshopped player announcement image of Big Head Xander, that's a top two photoshopped player announcement for me. Number one, though, is still Raucous in a suit. That Raucous (laughs) one is hilarious because the fact that they were like, well, he's a coach, so let's get him in the Sentinels jersey, but put a blazer on it is fucking hilarious. So can you pull that up, Kurt? What? Was that photoshopped? Yes. Because he came out in champions wearing a suit yeah, as they, well. Yeah, then they were like, put him in the outfit that he wore in, that we may put him in in the thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> Dude, I, is, think, I don't think that's photoshopped. That absolutely is photoshopped. That is the well, top. Also, what's, what's, what's so funny about this? I don't really get it. Like, I don't, I, I'm not understanding what's, Xander with a big fucking head, like that, like the Turok, like 20% head, that's funny. But this is just a I, very average Photoshop. I find it very funny that they signed him as a coach. They're so like, oh, how do we show that he's a coach? So they Photoshopped him in a suit with the Sentinels jersey. I think that's funny. I like it. These are, those are top two. Top two Photoshop player announcements in my book. Listen, Vass, I think if you, if you, listen, if you don't think water. it's funny, come with your own Photoshop funny player announcements, all right? I mean, I mean, I Talking think a lot of shit one, for someone who did that. Where are your assets? Look, no, look, look at any of the ones from Overwatch League this year oh when they couldn't God, have access to players. Like, especially the orgs that weren't willing to pay any money and just got someone in MS Paint to, like, <laughs> yeah, it's use bad. the eraser function it's to get so rid of much people. Worse My it's original so player announcement for, like, LG back in, like, <laughs> yeah. 2017 <laughs> when they put, like, me and Super and Jake and they, like, photoshopped us all into our for fucking LG jerseys. Evil with it a was Vast really and Jake. Bad. Plus, that photo of me is also... I took essentially every photo between wow, 2017 that's and 2018 of me was like a, a mirror shattering. Can you bad. send that to me, I Josh? I think every actual photo of me between those two years was so fucking yeah. awful. I'm trying to find it. What I have found, though, is just one of Jake, and it's the funniest thing. It's... Yeah. it's um, I'm putting it in the, the Valorant chat. Okay. This one is <laughs> just incredible. <laughs> I mean, for, for all of the Valorant viewers, they won't really know who Jake is, perhaps, but it, it, like an Overwatch player turned caster turned back into player coach yeah. and played on a team with a vast in this team. And this, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is good, man. That oh, is good. Okay. That, is, uh, that is so good. Can you find, if you can find the one of a vast, that would be I can excellent find content. Thank you, Connor. Uh, I appreciate your, your commitment to the laughs. I'll work in the I background. Okay, yeah, you guys cook stuff up in the background. Yeah, I found, I found the original announce of okay. us that had all of us. <laughs> I found the original <laughs> announce, and it's just so it's just so terrible looking, this announcement. Like, this is what I talk about. When you think about, like, really bad announcements, like Xander's, Xander's is pretty bad because they made him look like a minnow from SpongeBob. But this one, <laughs> in this one, wow, this one's really bad too because they're all poorly photoshopped into the jerseys in these player portraits. Like, <laughs> it's just disgustingly bad. Well, Why do you look like like player to the like, right character agent like? Uh, it's just how like, they wanted to do it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
<laughs> Where did I mean? I wouldn't even know that was you. Can yeah, we I know. just? I know. That doesn't even look like you. What did you? Were, were you? Were you addicted to meth at the time? Dude, the, the all of my photos between the year 2017 to like 2019, it, it it looked like I had come out of like it just looked awful. All my photos were mirror shatteringly bad. They were so fucking disgusting. All of them, literally, all of them were so bad. I had to go blow up a it's deep been. personal yep. transformation. Yep, a, a extremely intense transformation. Yep, I entered the chrysalis. Huge, an immense glow up since the LG evil days. <laughs> in the Boston <laughs> uprising days, uh, oh, that, was, that's, that was the average. Like that was like the average how bad the Overwatch League photos were. So like I don't even think the Rockets one was that bad. Okay, we spent way too much fucking time on this topic. We need to move on. Okay, we're gonna now we're gonna talk about the player. <laughs> okay, now we're gonna talk about the roster. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or I guess maybe a, a better way to talk about it is. How do we feel about V1, I guess, just generally moving into 2022 now that they, they've got this roster? Uh, we know that Xander's in. They made it clear that he's also coming in to be the IGL. How are we feeling about the roster? Who wants to... I, I think Xander's a great more. pickup. I was watching yeah. him at, at Frag. He was playing in a, in a pug with On The Way, and he was IGLing there too. But it's perfectly in the place that they need him in terms of the role. I don't think Odorous fit that well in terms of role. Um, Xander does. And he's an up-and-coming IGL who I think is getting his shot in a, a team that he can actually bring somewhere. Um, doesn't necessarily think that I mean their chances are that high, but I, I think Xander is a guy that can do something for them uh, significant. I think if they're able to crack into the top 10 race in North America, looking at the teams for next year, then it'll have been an incredible pickup, considering you said that Xander's going to be IGLing for them as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, with that level of responsibility on the guy's shoulders, it, if he is able to turn the team into what it was like under Vanity, that's a major turnaround. Their most recent results have been, you know, like middling. Like they're not that exciting a prospect actually heading into 2022, even though they've got players that we've seen at Reykjavik and they have name value and people, you know, like following them and stuff like that. They're, they're really not that exciting of a prospect. They've just been. Easily beating a lot of the tier two teams, but unable to crack into the upper level. If Sanders able to take them to that next step, that's enormous from him. But I don't think it's to be expected. No. Yeah, yeah that's the one thing. Like, I haven't watched enough of Soar to like know how his eye gelling is, but I, I do know he's hyped uh, from it. And what I saw from Frag, which is obviously a shit ton of pugging, and that's just how NA kind of calls in general. Um, it seems pretty good like it seems like he has the chops to to be able to turn into something really good yeah i i like this move i think i think xander's the real deal i think it's a really good pickup um you know it's one of those situations uh, situations like i was saying at the beginning where you have all the na teams going for eu players um and good prospects like like him and, and others in tier 2 na that uh could have gone past on just because of the price tag, but uh, I want to know what the price tag is or, or was. Uh, That's what I would like to know. Like in terms of Kurt, you could try like and a, find a, the reporting because I don't want to talk out of my ass. But I thought I was could it reported just on? again. Pub, warning, warning. <laughs> I might be making shit up. Warning, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I saw a. Um, I swear I saw an article that reported that his bio was two hundred thousand. Um, but I, uh, Xander, was? 
I could be warning. <laughs> warning, that could be not true. I just, I don't know. I might have been dreaming and scrolling Twitter in my dreams. I, I don't know. I swear I saw that somewhere. That I think you're, or... I think you're probably talking about there was a thread um on reddit and some people had had hypo had hypothesized that like the cryos buyout was like 200k i don't think but then they were also talking about the sword for like that was also for a sword player but i don't know about yeah. xander specifically um so, so I, I yeah i don't uh, listen that's just yeah that 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 may be complete hearsay nonsense i <laughs> I am aware that it's very high. It might not be that high. I don't. I don't know the. I don't know for sure. That's just. I. I I'm pretty sure I saw that reported somewhere, but could be just complete nonsense. Um, I mean, I actually but, don't think that's unreasonable based off what I've heard about other buyouts. But yeah. I would like to have actual reporting done on these kind of things because I think, especially with what a hot button topic it is and how important it is for the development of the North American scene, this is the kind of stuff that. It's actually really interesting to know about the financial dynamics behind why certain players might not be elevated to the tier one level or like the level in, uh, the level of investment and therefore faith that they have in Xander, I think is really important insight to have upon a move like this. Yeah. But why, why don't they report on it though? Like, cause I I've heard specifically numbers on buyouts just behind the scenes I, that I are very easy to capture. Like people that I don't expect to know, know, and it's just weird. It could that just never be a lack of interest from certain, like maybe certain. If they're not, it's not necessarily like a huge story to go and pursue at times compared to other things. Like I don't know what's necessarily since I'm not behind the analytics of like the journalists that are currently following this. Like I'm assuming they have their own topics that they pursue, or like maybe it was simply they just couldn't find the info. But it seems unlikely. Well, so it might be very difficult to confirm as well without yeah, like, being yeah. able to see the contract. You know, people don't want to show you their entire contract, so maybe it's yeah. just hard to find a primary source for it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a pretty small money move comparatively to like the tens buyout situation, right? Where like there's going to be so many people wanting to know about that. But like if you're like, oh, I need to go head to the fucking do a Freedom of Information Act to the Library of Congress to figure out Xander's buyout, like obviously it's going to be probably a less, you know, they're going to get less reward out of that by investing that many resources. Sure. Overall, though, I like this move. Glad V1 did it. I think that that's a good piece that they could keep and maybe build around in the future if he continues to play well, leads the team well. And I'm, V1 are one of the teams I'm interested to see as we move forward. Um, if there is a bit of a meta shift and if the if the agent balance is significant, like if Jet falls out of the meta, we've really only seen Penny play like Jet and raise a bit. Um, like there, there are individuals like that that I'm interested in seeing where they go and what other agents they'll play, how they'll work around uh, future changes. But Good move. I like it. Next up, Korea. Uh, last we saw of anyone from the region playing was Vision Strikers at Champions, and uh, I think for some, they probably underwhelmed. Um, I think for, for most of us, the, uh, we would probably say they, they underwhelmed a bit. And I think that overall, the, the sentiment around the Korean scene has changed significantly this year. Um, I think, I feel like coming into it, there was from a lot of the, the hardcore fans of that region, there was a lot of hype. Um, New Turn really, I think they surprised a lot of people at uh, Iceland at the beginning of the year, making such a deep run. Um, and then, you know, they kind of fell off and then Vision Strikers formed the super team for uh, just before Berlin. 
had a pretty good showing there going out in the quarterfinals to Gambit in a close series, the eventual winners. And then at Champions, not as good a performance from Vision Strikers, and I feel like the Korean scene is kind of just, it's fallen out of the conversation a little bit. Um, so there are some, some new teams being formed to try and, I suppose, contend with Vision Strikers, but also really at this point just make a claim on the world stage um, because Korea has has failed to send a representative to do that in the last couple events. I think, new, I mean, New Turn was actually the best showing, surprisingly. Yeah, weirdly enough. And uh, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in this esports connected lineup. There was a... It was more of a rumor than a report, actually, a while back, although it was from somebody that does a lot of reporting. I think it was from Coco, who writes for VLR, where he was talking about more organizations coming into Korea for 2022. Now, I don't really know the financial dynamics of that, because as far as I was aware, they were um, financially incentivizing uh, organizations to get involved in 2021 VCT, and yet a lot of Korean organizations didn't. And it's not like the viewership's been blown up or the teams have been doing particularly well, but for whatever reason that nobody's been particularly able to hammer down, as far as I've seen, a lot of Korean organizations are apparently looking to invest for next year. Maybe it's just the overall viewership. But um, this is one of the new orgs. I've never heard of them before. Esports Connected with a capital E, a capital S. I mean, literally never yeah. seen anyone I mean, have 1700 like followers i'm pretty sure they're brand new brand new brand spanking yeah. new organization yeah so this is one of the kind of new wave i guess of orgs trying to get in um perhaps some of our new viewers know more about the org or parent company or something like that i haven't really dug into it but they have a pretty decent lineup i mean in terms of supportive players i'm excited about this team they've got king from vision strikers that's a big move taking what's yeah. clearly the best anchor player, sentinel player kind of uh, role in the region. Uh, and then they've got Zunber as well, who was at some point during the year, I think had an argument for being one of the best or at least most creative Astros with how they were using their um, <clears throat> utility to be able to both help their teammates and set up really cool creative plays themselves. So you, you add those two pieces together and then the fact that bazzi has been doing pretty well over on Crazy Raccoon and is now coming back to uh, playing career, you've got yourself a decent team. And Muthi and Goddad have both been all right on previous, like, you know, like nearly up at the top teams before. Um, seems like the supportive pieces though, are the most exciting thing about this roster. Also, that Perry is coach, which I think is cool. You know, getting Perry as a coach is, is cool after their player experience. But, I mean, it's just it's another roster that they're hoping, because I feel like Korea, they've had they've had some decent showings, but they're about to enter when I throw out a reactionary Randy take, you know, and everyone's going to be like, oh, he's so right. And then other people are like, oh, he's so stupid, you know, of like, oh, they're about to enter that Brazil territory. of like, I don't want to hear about them again, you know, until they like do stuff. <laughs> but at the same time, they have had some okay international success, I would say, far more than Brazil on the international stage uh, when you consider Iceland. Um, and some of the showings against very good teams, uh, even at champs and such, right? So I do think, even if they haven't necessarily won. So I do think this is cool for the region. And I'm big on King. I think King is, we can all agree, is like a very, very good piece yeah. for any team. So, is, is there any information about who's going to lead the team? Because um, I, I think I'm all the teams, or all the all the players are good. <laughs> God dead. Uh, took like a he like retired from pro play though was what I from F4Q back then. Mm -hmm. um, so it's surprising to see him come back. I'm curious who's going to lead this team. I really hope that it's King, uh, because I see stuff from this guy in terms of like decision making, 
where he where where when he's not on a leash, when he's not stuck to a specific setup, that is just really, really good. Um, and I hope that he can maybe start to mold that into a place where he can be leading. Because I think that's kind of what Korea is lacking a little bit is good mid-round decision making outside of vision strikers. And you can make an argument for like Reykjavik new turn with solo, but other than that, leadership in mid-round decision making is something that they lack a lot of that I think King is specifically good at. So if he's leading, I might have more faith, not not faith, but more like stocks for this team, uh, because that could be really cool. And I think your point there is imp really important, Bala, too, is that I think the breakthrough for Korea is not going to come from any super team that gets formed. You've already had a super team formed in Korea. You've got the best players that could possibly be in your roster with Vision Strikers this year. But they still weren't able to really crack into top territory when it came to international tournaments. So to me, it's about rehauling the way that the region is thinking about the game a bit. Maybe not a full rehaul, because they do some things really, really well. But trying to incorporate more stuff that the other regions are thinking about and adjusting their game plan, how they call, how they think about the mid-rounding and the information game, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think they've been slow on the uptake generally throughout the year, probably because they don't really have that much match experience. We've been talking about it. I've been hammering it to death every single time. But like, you, Vision Strikers can't learn if they only play five games in six months against top competition or six games in six months. You know, like you can't learn from one match a month against a team that actually pushes yeah. you at all. So I think the combination of getting tons of good match experience against rivals that actually push you and then incorporating stuff that you really learn from uh, international tournaments and getting your coaches like Solo and Perry to push the region forwards. That, to me, is where Korea can break through its current ceiling. It's not really in the player quality. So I'm fine with this team, even though I don't think it is a super team. I think it's probably going to be, like, from what we see, third best in Korea behind Damwon and Vision Strikers. But the, the path to winning in Korea is wide open right now because... It's not about player quality. It's about finding that edge in the way you think about the game. Yeah, well, well said. And then, so uh, that does also it leaves Vision Strikers in an interesting spot where presumably now they just have Lackey starting. Um, I, I would assume, right? Long, long awaited uh, Lackey in the starting roster, but I suppose we'll have to wait for some sort of official announcement on that. At this point, that's just speculative. Um, but yeah. another team in Korea that the, didn't uh, didn't have a great year, but they hung around at the top pretty much all year. Failed in the last chance qualifier. Um, Damn one gaming. They they were the best performing Korean team in the last chance qualifier, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think they made it the yeah. deepest, um, which was third place. Yeah, a little, a little surprising. They couldn't make it the whole way. Um, and now they're they're revamping. They've got Esperanza over from F4Q, I think one of the more impressive players on that roster when we saw them at uh, Berlin. And they picked up Yoni, who we've talked about a whole bunch on this show, upcoming player in the region, played on New Turn, didn't, I mean, only in that one LCQ event, and New Turn looked to be a mess. And, you know, it's, did they get enough value out of Yoni? Did they put him in positions to succeed? Did they hold him back? Was he on too much of a leash? We kind of talked about how they were maybe treating him a bit like a rookie, and I think I believe that was the point the ball made, and I think that there's definitely some truth in that, how they were using him on that roster for LCQ. Um, so I, I think he still has a lot to show and, and something to prove 
And they also bring in Solo from New Turn, but to be a coach. Um, and Damwon now find themselves in the six-man roster situation. Will it end up being a six-man roster? I don't know. I would hope not at this point. Um, I mean, what is... This is just a side note, but what is the best result of a six-man roster this year? Uh, heretics. Yeah. <laughs> heretics. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Other than that, other than heretics, though... Like... <laughs> like I'm just trying to think. At Champions, any six-man rosters do decent? I mean, Vision Strikers... I mean, Vision Strikers... They did were they the okay, best? but they were Vision Strikers the best? And there aren't really that many six-man rosters, yeah. you know. It's not a huge sample size, but it doesn't seem to be... It's almost like roster size is negatively correlated with success because of Crazy Raccoon and uh, Zeta Division as well. Yeah. So they've just kind of tanked it, honestly. Yeah, they really have, haven't they? Also, I mean, early C9 when they had Penny as a six-man. Doom. Penny? Wait. Do you mean... Um... You mean Wasn't it Penny? Poise? Or Poise. Poise. Poise, poise. Oh, yeah. 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 I think early C9 yeah. with Poise as well was a six-man roster. That was which... a mess. Which was a fucking mess. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I would yeah. hope this isn't a six-man roster, but I do think that these are some cool pickups. Okay, um, here's a question then. If it's not a six-man roster, right? At the moment, they have two kind of players that have been supportive kind of flex roles with Eugene and Esperanza, and yeah. then they have two jet stars with Hyoni and Texture. Obviously, we've seen Hyoni play flex for new turn, but on a really tight leash and really supportively, and he looked really crap. So if you're in charge of this team, do you try and take Texture and Hyoni as your duelist duo and just make one of them into a good flex player? I say make as if it's easy. Or do you try and trade one of them to, I mean, let's say ESC, Esports Connected, because they need a star jet player. They would love to have Texture or Hyoni, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. And you try and take Eugene and Esperanza on your team. What, what direction would you rather see this team go in? Because I think most people are just assuming Eugene's gone because... Fans just assume more firepower better, so keep Hyoni and Texture. I don't know whether that's actually the better move. Yeah, I think that would be dependent on how well Texture can play the flex rules, or if uh, if that was just Hyoni being in a poorly structured system when we saw him playing a lot of Sky and LCQ. Um, I think that's pretty tough. I mean, I, I could say for a certainty that I would want Esperanza to start in this roster. I think Esperanza was... I think he showcased that he's a really talented player at Berlin, and, and I would definitely like to see him in the starting roster. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a that's a that's a tough one. What do you think, Bala? I think that I'd rather see Hyoni put into a position where he is the star player um, as a young kid who has a lot to learn about the game for sure. Uh, I think a lot of the aspects of his game were overrated in that one game against New Turn. And that might be a reason why he was on such a leash in LCQ. But even still, I want him to be in the positions to carry, right? I want to build this guy up to have the confidence to, to go crazy, right? And not have to learn, like, all this extra... Um, it's not nuance. The nuance is stuff that he's learning, all the extra setups and stuff that you have to be doing as a support player. I want him to focus on one thing. It's similar to what I was saying with tens on Sentinels. I want him to be able to focus on one thing so he could shine at that while he learns, and this is not applicable to tens, but while he learns the rest of the the game at a high level, you know? That's where yeah. I want it to be. So I, I want to see Esperanza go into Eugene's slot and uh, Texture play a more supportive role. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do want to see Hyoni get a chance in that spot as well, because he definitely didn't in, in New Turn. Um, and he didn't, I, he didn't... I feel like he didn't get to... I don't know why... For me, when I was watching his games, he was at his best when he was able to play aggressively and play with the op. And when he was playing mm -hmm. the supportive roles, you know, you're not getting value out of being an opper. Um, so I'd like to see him get put in that position where they're putting the money in his hands and putting the op in his hands. Go on. One other thing that they need to do is to not split the idea for him. They, players need to be able to focus on something at least semi-short term, right? They can't go into a tournament playing two roles and learning both roles at the same time. I think that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Um, but that about does it for the roster news of this week, at least. I'm sure there will be a lot more to come. Uh, but now we're going to move into the Platchat Year Award nominations. Huh? We're so the, the plan is on uh, the awards. So the plan is we're gonna we're gonna go through our nominees for the official Plat Chat Valorant 2021 Year Wrap Up 2021 awards, and then next week we're going to uh, do a little uh, winners announcement segment where we're gonna we're gonna pick pick the winners. But today we're gonna go through all of the nominees. So first up. Who's the player of the year? So, yeah, that's there's a lot of good options. Time. There's a <laughs> lot of good options. Now, how do we want to do this? I could give a name and we could talk about them a little bit. I could run, I could just rifle off a bunch of names on a list. Um, I, I think you you post up a name because we already, okay. to, to let the fans well, we in on it, we already posted a pool. Right. So let's go through what we agreed on as the pool of nominees. I think that's very reasonable player of the year number one this is the i mean this is an easy one this guy's of course he's a, of course he's a nominee of course it's nats i mean he just has to be right absolutely dominated at berlin brought gambit the the trophy and then still played well at champions uh you know they made it to the finals gambit had an amazing year. The second half of their, their 2021 was phenomenal. And even early on at the beginning of the year when Gambit was not uh, on people's radars, there was still an era where it was like, you know, more of like the, the hardcore viewer would be like, oh, dude, but Nat's Cypher set up on Icebox, bro. Like people would be talking <laughs> about that because he was True. doing crazy stuff back then. He was a really impressive player. Uh, from the top of the year, not just in, uh, not just regionally in CIS, but like when uh, during the Iceland qualifiers, he was performing really well. When there were a couple international tournaments, he was uh, previous to that, like some of the independent ones. Like I think there was the Red Bull Home Ground. He was impressive in that. He just had a great year overall. But what what do you guys have to say, Josh? What do you what do you make of Nats? I think Nats is going to be the favorite for a lot of people, and. I also want to point out that there is no obvious winner for this category, in my opinion. I think anyone who thinks there's an obvious winner is probably underselling their opponents or other nominees in this category. Because to me, there are pros and cons of, of pretty much anyone. This isn't a case where it's like a simple just dominated the year or something like that. The, uh, that's not the case in this game, in my opinion. So the, the positives for Nats, you've already talked about a lot of them. So I want to talk about some like caveats for why he wouldn't just straight up win it perhaps and one of those would be the fact that 
a lot of his impact is isolated to that insane tournament in Berlin. He he's not like he wasn't the best player in Europe before Berlin. I think that would have to go to somebody like CNED. And then at Champions, he wasn't, I mean, he was arguably not the best player on his team. I think you'd have somebody like Chronicle probably as the Champions MVP from uh from from Gambit there. And then Ascend actually won the event as well. So I think it's with the small amount of tournaments this year, it's pretty hard to say anybody definitively was, but he also reinvented the way that people play this role, which I think is a major plus that you didn't mention. Yeah. He, he wasn't just amazing in the way that, um, you know, a tens or a yay, who we'll talk about later, I'm sure they were amazing. They didn't reinvent how jets played. They didn't. People were doing some of that stuff before, in like before in 2020 people yeah. were trying to play how tens and yay are playing this year they just weren't as good at it they didn't reinvent the way that people think about the role whereas i feel like nats did that this year people yeah. now think about the role differently yeah, yeah i think that's like the important part when thinking about how to differentiate the like you can't just look at stats it's what specifically have they done or, or like what is the cool aspect of them that makes them you know, player of the year. And I think that whole meta defining aspect is the big benefit of Nats um, in a way that honestly, I can't think of a single player who has affected the meta on such a drastic scale to like trickle down to almost every single team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we were can't. thinking of numbers too. Like we would be like, we really, no, I don't, I think before this, we never really thought of like, okay, the Sentinel player. This player that's on Cypher or Viper or, you know, Killjoy is like, they need to pop the fuck off. They need to get the frags and they're going to lose it. But after Nats and Berlin is like, Nats has to drop 30 here. They're going to win, you know? And like, it's yeah. like, it kind of redefined what we thought about players in that role on top of him redefining the meta aspects. Also, I think he raised the caliber of like, when you think about how the game evolves over time, you've seen this thought a lot of games. There are certain roles, if you're in like a role-based game or, or a hero or an agent-based game, where starting off, you don't feel like they're necessarily impact frag roles. Uh, and I think Nats also pushed the envelope of like, what does it mean to be a Sentinel player too? And like, and you've seen that with not just Nats though. He's not the only one to do it, but he's the most notable example of just like, play, of like the actual ceiling of the players and the, what they can do on the field in terms of they're just pure fragging too on that role, pushing forward and forward and forward as the game went on, right? And I think that's similar to a lot of other games that have had like roles and, and categories where someone is just like, Yep. There's some roles that started out as kind of low impact frags or like low fragging roles. And then like the game just pushed and pushed and pushed. And that's is definitely one of those players that's pushing the Sentinel role like forward in terms of like how much impact can you really have on the server? All right. Next up, we all heckin' love him. It's tens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another, another name that just, uh, the, I mean, tens has to be on the list just because every single time, every single time, we had any guess that player with a duelist it would end up with some with josh saying something like his stats are unbelievable but tens at reykjavik was better because his stats <laughs> in iceland were just he has had the the he just had the craziest tournament of the year but josh give, give me more about tens yeah i mean to, just to wax a little more lyrically about tens's stats for a moment if you're going down the stats argument and if you want like player that performed the peak of the year if that was the way that you defined this category player that had the highest peak throughout the entire year then 
I think it would be a bit of a no-brainer that it was Tenzit Reykjavik, actually. There wasn't an, the, uh, another player. There's there's Ye and Nats from Berlin, and then I, I don't think there really was a player that dominated champions to the same extent as those three did in their respective tournaments. And Tens, to me, had the largest impact, not just stats-wise, but what he was able to do in terms of entry in a multi-frag in four uh, Sentinels at Reykjavik, and he was just a massive component of that. I think that being able to win a LAN tournament without dropping a map, probably never going to be repeated. And 10 stats might remain the gold standard in terms of one tournament run for the foreseeable. Now, do I subscribe to the idea that it's about peak performance throughout the year? Uh, sorry, the, the like one peak of the year? Not really. I think you have to sustain it over a huge period of time. And so that's where the arguments about 10s get much more complex. Sure. Bala, do you want to talk about that a bit then? Like 10s ten, at the end of the year and you know, the second half of the year, how would that affect his uh, running here? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably going to be the biggest detriment to him was just straight up the way that he played in the tournaments at the beginning is always pretty good and just pretty good was not what you were expecting out of 10. So he like set the ceiling so high for himself that every other like game that he's not performing at that level, you're just like, oh, well, this isn't, this isn't good at all. Like, he kind of sucks, but that's not the case at all. So you can't really use that. But you can, in my opinion, use the way that he performed in uh, high pressure situ situations for Sentinels as a, a, a way and meaning to detract from him. Because like every single one of their major losses this year came in a place where Tens is underperforming. And that maybe speaks a little bit more to Sentinels as a team more than Tens as a player. But um, you're going to look at those and discount him because of it yeah do you have anything yeah. anything you want to say real quick before we move on to the next one Connor? i don't think there's anything else to add i mean yeah they, they covered it like it's well, then the i'll, I'll start i'll start you with uh or actually i'm not gonna start you with this one because hold on just hold on. let me let me do my thing here hold on <laughs> let me, watch me produce watch me produce okay next another jet the jet who a lot of people started putting above tens uh because of that second half of the year is envy's yay Started the year with Anbox, finished it with Envy, dominated most of the year. Even when he was on Anbox, I mean, he was a bit more under the radar, obviously, because the team wasn't finding success, but his stats were still crazy. And then he switched over to Envy. They, they had a crazy run at Berlin, made it into second place. Yay. If it weren't for Nats having an all-time god tournament, I mean, Ye was certainly in the MVP running for that tournament, specifically. Um, he, he had an all-time god performance there, yeah, too. He did, yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he did as well. He, he was an unbelievable form. Um, so, Ye, potential player of the year. What do you, what do you think, Bala? Um, I think the argument is hard to make. I definitely would have him, like, nominated. Uh, but... For him to win is very, very difficult. When you already just thinking about the two players that we've talked about, mm. the problem for him is that he didn't find like a win, right? And that is always when I look at these, I'm thinking of players who've actually brought their teams to wins and he brought them to a second place, but they weren't able to actually win, which is the, yeah, that's it basically. Yeah. He he really is a god player though, and deserves nominating for this kind of thing because I, I'm 
I would like to pose the question, what would have happened if he was playing for Envy all year long? You know, like if, mm-hmm. if the first period of the year had not been him buried on a tier two team where he was still putting up God's numbers on Anbox. I mean, the numbers on Anbox were even better than they were on Envy just because he was hard carrying the team even harder. Other people weren't doing the fragging to, to kind of temper his numbers in some sense. But, um, you know, if that had been the case, he probably would have... Uh, a strong argument somewhat similar to a Tenzi kind of thing where he looks insane the first half of the year and then uh, even a Berlin, I mean, amazing. And then it's just his champion's performance where they go out in groups where we'd be questioning it. Again, he doesn't have that win that Tens does, but a second place at Berlin is also still pretty incredible. So the, the guy's certainly been one of the best players of the year, despite the fact that he came into it a little later than some of the other people that we're nominating. Yeah, I mean, God, Curtis has the, the yay clips playing there and it's just reminding me of how crazy he was at berlin <laughs> holy shit yeah. holy shit that guy is good connor i want to start I'm... you with this next nominee sorry because uh, what Do well josh some... had something to add he had something to oh, add the Let's only go. thing that i had to add okay. was just a quick note on. if you Tack keep in track at home see how many of these players are jets and see if that's a problem oh, for yeah. the game two of them right now right now <laughs> two of them mm. but yeah connor i want to start you with this one i know you love him Oh, it's I chronicle. do heckin' love him. It's I do Chronicle him. from I, Gambit. Oh, he's so heckin' good. He's so... <laughs> I remember when I proposed at Berlin, I was like, this Chronicle guy fucking owns. And everyone was like, I'm not sure. Like, he's pretty good. But then... And then I was like, no, no, no. He fucking dominates, okay? And this is just turned into a humble brag for myself. Really. I, I know. So but really, Chronicle really, is up for nomination for award, and Zion of Ast is just but, okay, talking let's, about let's, his guy, own the successes. Guy, I'm the best at prophesizing who he's will win player. player of the year. He's an insanely clutch player. He gets also, he has, not only did he, he used to when I, I think we just only took his Berlin performance, which is where he came onto the radar, I think, a bit, but he was getting incredible impact frags for them in Berlin, like all the time. Like, you know, you talk about like not looking at stats that much. It's not like Chronicle's stats were bad by any means. He had some very good games, but he had just incredibly good impact frags and clutch moments consistently in Berlin and moving to Champs. But then get the Champs, and the guy was fucking top fragging some maps as well for this team uh, over the Devo and Nats. And he's just been such an incredibly good player in his role. And I think compared to a lot of these players on the list, like really the only one, when you think about some of the other players, when you put them on the list here, is that he is also arguably the most clutch. I think he's arguably the most impact heavy with a lot of his kills and the rounds that he plays in too, and just how good he is with mid-round adjustments uh, comparatively. His ball is fucking just <laughs> pixelating <laughs> in the background. I mean, yeah, when you, I mean, when you talk about the most clutch of the names we have on here, I think both of them might, it might both be on Gambit. I mean, it might yeah. be Chronicle and Nats. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, even some of the, again, some of these clips though that, that Kurt has playing in the background of, of him at uh, Champions, like the, the ones that we saw in that previous map on Breeze, it was maps like those where crew, they, they finished the first half in the lead 8-4 on defense on Breeze. And then Chronicle just went insane to bring them back into that game and win that map. I mean, the, Gambit could have been they absolutely could have been out of Berlin before the finals so against Crew, yes. but Chronicle went insane in this series. On Bind as well, like he got, I'm sure it'll play oh, at some point. The ace he got at the end of this game, he went fucking nuts. I mean, he yeah. absolutely. If not, if if Chronicle isn't, uh, you know, if he doesn't win this award, I mean, you could certainly say he, he was 
possibly like the best initiator of the year. I, I mean, he really was just insane. Uh, but anything you guys want to add, uh, Josh or, or Bala? Um, I think for for Chronicle, the only argument against him really being uh, up here is the fact that he doesn't really pop onto the radar, at least for me, until Berlin. Like, I don't think that he was... Um, I might have to go back over like the the vods and stuff. Perhaps he was playing like this, and we just didn't realize it. But to me, heading into Berlin, it it was all about Nats, and then to me, it was then Shados sure. that I was looking at, and and so Chronicle was then uh, either third or I guess you could even argue fourth because Defo plays the jet role and picks up the op for them so much and is such a crucial part of how they play. But you know, he's somewhere around that kind of level. And and really he proved himself, I think, once they got to LAN. And that is another thing where the more we see LAN events perhaps throughout 2022, the more we might feel like Chronicle is an elite player because he always steps up at the big events that are on LAN. Yeah, guys Dude, get the windex out. Going. Yeah, I mean we're good. <laughs> it's going going absolutely yep. wild over there all right but i think it's fair next up nominee hot off the champions win is zeke Bala, tell me about zeke yeah this guy um i think like what he comes on to ascend and just elevates his game on to a crit the, the the first thing i i noticed about zeke was the versatility when he joined g2 uh, that he had he was playing sage he was playing rays he was playing so many different agents and he just was consistently like pretty good. Um, and then you see him play on Ascend and you watch him play on like a map like Binds and you're just like, wow, okay, this guy is actually good. Um, and then he steps up at Champions. I think that that performance at Champions is the, is the only thing that puts him into consideration, but it puts him so deep into consideration for player of the year that um, everybody else, you think about their Champions performance. And I think the only person you can really compare him against is like chronicles in terms of that performance mm -hmm. um uh, so yeah I, I think he's very valid of a of a nomination yeah definitely i mean i think even if i mean zeke was really good at berlin too but i don't know do, do you think he did he do enough over the entirety of the year to potentially win this well, it's an interesting question. It's a little like the Tens question, right? He yeah. he does have a win under his belt the same way that Tens does, and he was the MVP of that tournament in the same way that Tens was. Um, did he carry them in the same way that Tens did? I would argue not. I don't think that he had that level of outsized impact compared to the rest of his team, but he was still the best player on his team, and I would argue that Champions is worth more than Reykjavik was. So... <laughs> That that comes down to how much you want to weight the different tournament performances and think about what Zeke did earlier on in the year where, for example, he was playing for like Noel Penke for a while in G2 where by no means was he a bad player. He was a great player, but he wasn't consistently competing against tier one opponents and his teams, I mean, when he was playing for Noel Penke were pretty, um, I don't know what's the word, like... Uh, very loose and he he was just kind of running it down and relying on his individuals a lot and i mean he was IGLing at the time as well so i i don't know it's he he really comes on to your radar late in the year but does so much at the end of the year that he sneaks onto the list yeah uh getting towards the end of the, the nominees here we do have another jet it's charles cned neddington 
<laughs> I mean, CNED, definitely a strong case, I think. I mean, starts the year with a send, uh, getting, a, getting a win at, I guess, what you would consider Masters 1, right? Even though it was online um, yep. in Europe. But he starts the year with a win there and ends the year with a win at Champions. Surely that's that's got to be up for consideration, right? Yeah, I don't think you could not. I mean, when you think of players that define the year, and like obviously Josh raised the point of like, all these are jet players. But to be fair, CNED exploded onto the scene in terms of like in terms of like the his awareness of like the wider scene and just how much he was he was sort of framed as this carry as CNED and friends, you know. Um, and really, that did I feel like in many ways that didn't really change until Champions. When you think about CNED and his placement on his teams, um, I, is he's that he just kind of dominated for a really long time, and he was also the quintessential. I, I, when you think of like people that op, I think the two big, the two biggest, like when you think just like pure oppers in this team in this game. Though obviously, I wouldn't really consider CNED a pure opper or their his his component, but like Ye and CNED are like the two oppers, you know. Yeah, I mean and Shazam, that, so, and Shazam. I mean, yeah, and Shazam, yeah, of course. Sure. But Shazam's Shazam well. obviously he has a wider birth than just yeah. his op play right he's got a lot more going on for him sure I, I think that like when you think about any of the jet players on the list even like even though there might be a lot he's the only guy i would say had an actual impact on meta right when we go back to that argument that we had for nats cnet is at masters one that was the first time people were really like holy shit like they're, they're he's actually using it in ways that is breaking setups um that was like the not the first but he was the most prominent use of smoke dashing um, for a lot of people and just his mobility with the jet was something that everybody started to replicate after that, you know? So big, big ups to CNED for that, but also just the success is hard to, hard to argue against. Yeah, yeah. Success has just been fantastic. If you, if you look at his performance, even if you want to go right back to the beginning of the year in masters one, sure. It's only in Europe. It's not even an EMEA title, but he hard carried his team. I mean, he just hard, hard carried his team he was easily the best player in europe at that time and then if you move things later on other than Reykjavik, he's been an elite level player at every competition he's played in like absolutely up there with the best players and he also has that first masters title and the champions title now uh under his belt along with the quarters in in berlin so he's he's not only one of the most winning players of the year um but he also has been profoundly impactful in every tournament he's played in. I think possibly you could argue his least impactful was at Champions, and he was still in the top players. It's just that Zeke was even better than he was. But yeah. it's not like he was bad compared to the other Jets. It's not even like he was mediocre compared to the other Jets. He was, he was really good. It's just that yeah. the competition wasn't defined about Jet carries. And they just, yeah, I mean, at Champions, <clears throat> Ascend just, they never needed CNED in carry mode. Because everyone else was just playing so well, it was uh, yeah. So it's like, dude, how much how much can you even take away from that <clears throat> at that point, right? Well, and then when they you were, might be able to use the Berlin the performance as a as a down factor, but even then he was playing well. So yeah, I mean, even then, yeah, when you hear the hundred thieves great. comms, they activated strat avoid CNED to win. <laughs> I mean, it was just. <laughs> Even just defined that that game that they that they lost. But all right, last player nominee we have is Shazam from Sentinels. He has to be on the list. I mean, Shazam just had an unbelievable year. 
IGL of the team. That's always, you know, of, of note that'll always be brought up. But also individually, um, I mean, absolutely defined how Icebox was played uh, for, for a while at the beginning of the year with, with his jet play and the comp that Sentinels were running at the time. His jet was just so dominant on the map. They had a, a stretch of time over the first half of the year where they would just never lose Icebox. And so much of that was because of his opping. And that was the case at at uh iceland too even if you remember at the beginning at iceland when they were playing against Fnatic, it was shazam just popping off on jet that kept them in that game because they actually started pretty slow um, yeah, yeah. and then 10s really came alive later but throughout all of that shazam was still playing super well picked up playing more of the sova when 10s joined the team at berlin when they didn't have as good of a showing he still was playing pretty well his stats were still pretty good and then I think he was the MVP of Sentinels for what they did show at uh, Champions. It was when he was playing Breach on Fracture, he was nutty. His Sova was looking excellent. His stats were great again. I mean, he, I, I feel like he played well throughout the entire year on a number of roles while IGLing for Sentinels. I mean, he's just got to be a nominee and he's got to be in the running to win, surely. Also did that while suffering, you know, great personal tragedy. You know, and it, too, like managed to perform excellently and have a winner's mentality, even when something that would generally slow down a lot of people, you know, when they're in a, when they're a serious competitor and at least like put you through a little bit of a loop. And he stayed really, really confident, strong, consistent the whole time, um, which is why yeah. I think it's so incredible about him is that like, yeah, there are definitely other IGLs that show that that defeat the IGL mentality of like, oh, you are, you're, you have to be a bon car if you're IGL, right? Like, they're, they're, <laughs> stray. they're stray again. I'm sorry, bon 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 stray but there are definitely plenty of IGLs that have have good individual performances, but bon I think Shazam is one of the few IG is like definitely one of the elite tier of IGLs that are not only super flexible, but also an elite player and high impact mm. player in his own right when he's playing, you know? Um, yeah. So it, it, it's kind of hard not to put him in in this list like it'd be yeah i think i think the knocks for him come essentially when one considers how great sentinels were being able to bounce back and adapt to their opponents and always beat them or always overcome them across 2020 and the begin or the you know the latter portion of 2020 and the early portion of 2021 and how that just kind of fizzled out a little bit at Berlin and at Champions. His his fate is somewhat linked with that of Tens because they're on the same team. And it's not the same narrative the entire time because I actually thought that like the way that Sentinels was um, IGLing the mid-round decisions, the stuff that they were doing was pretty fine at Berlin and at Champs, but they didn't have in the first the the right compositions and comfortability on those kind of uh, roles and having poor individual performances and the uh, champions didn't have the, the right uh, amount of stuff prepped so you the, i don't think i don't think it's uh even though it's a negative the fact that he igls and the team didn't perform as well as it did during these major tournaments it's not all on his shoulders i don't think um, so I don't think it excludes him at all from being able to win. Just the fact that he IGLs the team and they didn't win. I don't think that excludes you from being player of the year. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on from the players, we have the team of the year. And what better team to talk about than Sentinels? We were just uh, speaking of the Shazam. I mean, Sentinels, obviously, they are the they are just... 
they they are they are the, like the 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 face of Valorant. Their their team, and it's because of the immense success that they had for such a long period of time. Um, so yeah, Sentinels potential team of the year. What do you guys think? I think they have a very strong argument, um, but. I, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, sure, they won Reykjavik, that's the first event. They get bonus points because it's the first event, um, and then they get bonus points because they're just always in the conversation so much that it just skews the narrative. But when you actually like look at gameplay and, and the actual results of tournaments, you it, it falls flat, I think. I think it just Pish falls posh, don't give flat. me gameplay. Don't give me gameplay. I ingest your <laughs> hype. I am a hype beast. I'll, I'll I'll be the advocate for Sentinels then, because here's how I see it. You not only have a team that's done well at international tournaments, they won Reykjavik, and okay, they only made quarters and got grouped at champions, but their um, placements are not necessarily correlated sorry, with how the team was playing. Like, I think that they actually played a really good game at Champions and they happened to get grouped because they were just with fierce, fierce opposition. Um, so I'm not holding that Champions grouping too much against them. You know, in my head, it's pretty equivalent to making like a quarters of Berlin, honestly. I don't think one is massively worse than the other. But here's where I think the argument for Sentinels comes in. They have dominated, absolutely dominated North American competition all year long. And North America is either first or second. At the beginning of the year, it looked like the strongest region towards the end of the year. Once you've got like, you know, Gambit and Ascend making it really deep and winning Berlin and then winning champions, the argument probably goes in favor of EMEA. But the North America is still in number two and is right neck and neck with EMEA. So to be able to have that level of domestic dominance and still get one out of three of the land titles of the year, to me, obviously puts you in the conversation. And the they are head and shoulders above the pack in a way that nobody is within EMEA. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, I mean, also, it wasn't just a land win. It was also an incredibly dominant um, land victory too for the one that they did win so it was uh crazy just i think that's something that i have to think about was like yeah they only won one event but the event they did win it was kind of a blowing people out of the water uh with how good it was for them so it's hard not to put them on the list i will th think though that they've kind of uh, i don't know it's 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 a hard one it's a hard one though i do think I, they also I think, I think they hit that criteria as well though of like the uh influence on the scene i mean yes. they were so influential on the first half of the year everyone was trying to play like them and then after iceland everyone was trying to run the comps that they're running and play like tens and shaz like they they were massively influential on the scene but i do uh sorry did you have a point you really want to make ball because i do want to keep no no, no you made you made the point that's, that's okay. basically what i was gonna say cool um next team of the year i mean they have to be on the list and i think for a lot of people they might be the front runners they're gambit do you want to start with them Bala? yeah sure um First and second in the last two international lands. They, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty pretty damn fun. <laughs> <That's not bad. laughs> I mean, that's almost all the argument you need for them to be yeah. front runners. But um, on top of that, I think they are the most complete team out of any of the teams that we've seen this year. I think they are easily the most complete team. And when I mean when I say that, I mean tactically, I mean player player wise, their firepower. And then their adaptability and creativity, it's, it's literally all there. Whereas you think of other teams, you think of Sentinels, for example, 
you, you, you don't see as much creativity coming from them, right? You think of Fnatic and you're like, wow, a lot of creativity, but they're lacking on this aspect. Whereas Gambit, there's literally, I, I mean, Josh is going to try, but you can't, you can't actually come up with any aspect that they're not, they're not almost leading the pack in. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a tens or a yay on their team, do they? That's, uh, <laughs> they just have a, an incredibly consistent, very good duelist player with Defo, but no, you know. Content just, uh, creation, boring. they're not yeah. at the top. Where are the streams? Clapping <laughs> <laughs> the streams. <laughs> Another potential team of the year. I mean, Ascend, obviously. <laughs> I mean, they, they won yeah. Masters 1 in Europe, and then they won Champions at the end of the year. I mean, no. technically, they won the only tournament of the year, so... True. Yeah, the exactly. only non-qualifier tournament everything, they did win. Everything else was a qualifier for champions, and so they won. Seeding games. Even, Brown I don't even Square. care about... I don't even care about Reykjavik. That was a seeding game. Sentinels only... Game? North America has <laughs> only ever won seeding That's games. Sentinels are not a real team. Yeah. No, I... The, the, the argument, though... When you look at, like, you could say, okay, that Ascend won the European Masters 1, but Gambit won the CIS Masters 1. So that's pretty much equivalent, but it isn't. When you, at the time, it was obvious from watching the matches that were happening that EMEA was pretty far ahead at that point. And Gambit, though there was talk about them and they were doing interesting things, they weren't yet at the same level as like the Heretics and Ascend were of that time. And, and Ascend honestly burst out of nowhere. And we thought there might be a bit of a flash in the pan. If you remember, there was the scandal about their coach being able to talk to them during the match as well and like IGL for them. And we were like, oh, well, maybe oh, yeah. this team's not going to be very good afterwards. And then they win champions and like, look, really... Uh, competent heading into Berlin, like they were potentially the favorites there as well. So uh, this this team has been able to achieve stuff all year long. It's not just the fact that they win champions. Obviously, champions is going to be overrated in a lot of people's heads. It is only one tournament, but they've still done a lot outside of that too. Also, I think champions, even if it is one tournament, it's also, for the most part, obviously there's some outliers, the culmination of just all they're playing against the best competition for the entire year on average, right? Obviously, there is something up for debate depending on like how the format worked for VCT before that and like any teams in there, but it is supposedly against the overall best competition of the whole year, uh, comparatively, like holistically. So, there are some points yeah. I think to be given to that to winning champions, um, and doing well at champions overall when you consider the factor of what champions actually is supposed to be, definitely. Um, and I think on the front, we were talking about teams being influential as well. Unfortunately, we're not going to really see that yet, uh, whether or not they'll be influencing the meta heading into 2022. And it might just be totally irrelevant because the balance changes might be so significant that what they were doing at Champions, no one's even going to really want to be using that anymore anyhow. But I do think at the beginning of the year, after winning the EU Masters at the very top of the year, I do think they were pretty influential in that actually yeah. as well. Um, there were a lot of it. NA teams that started doing running their comps, doing stuff that they were doing. 100 Thieves were running their comps. Um, running really simple, actually like damn near stealing some of their pistol strats and shit, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. um, so they still were pretty influential at the beginning of the year. Maybe not as much as Sentinels and Gambit, but to a bit of an extent. Um, next up, potential team of the year, Fnatic. Second at Iceland, made it to the uh, quarterfinals at Champions, had a good showing there. What do you guys think? Do, do you think that they have a real shot, Josh? <laughs> 
Okay, why'd you put me on the spot for that one? Why am I always the one that has to shout down for that? Because I want to get you in another fanatic TikTok. That's why. Yeah, yeah you're a say something, ass, Josh. Special, Josh, are. say something about how Fanatic will have a bad 2022 for clout. So they'll use this no, clout, not, and then they'll I'm come not, back I'm to our gonna, show. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. But also. They're not going to win this award. Obviously, they're not going to win this fucking award because they're up against Gambit and Ascend. Can we have the win way, just way, so we can better. put that in a video? <laughs> just, no, just but for the it's, clout. It's, you know, it's it's a decent... They did decently this year. They did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, they had um, that great showing at Reykjavik. They frankly didn't really do too much for the rest of the year. They weren't good for Masters 1 and they weren't good for masters three like at all they weren't even on the radar of being top <clears throat> even top 10 teams uh, as far as i can remember at all uh, during that time period so then as you move into um uh as you move into champions our expectations or at least my expectations were relatively low and that ended up being incorrect so i think they deserve credit for being able to uh showcase that they are a legit team but they're not going to win this over Ascend or Gambit. I mean, how could they possibly? They didn't. They only made quarters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, champions. They've earned themselves a, a fair nomination in the Plat Chat Awards, as have maybe this team. Even though, you know, I love them, and God, do I just want to vamos? But I can't <laughs> because surely Crew aren't the team of the year. But they did get a nomination, and I think they deserve it. I think they absolutely deserve it. I yeah, I mean, just the story in general for this team is fucking incredible. And they had the best comebacks of of the year, and they also had this fucking steady improvement that I don't think any team has replicated at all, um, where it's just like they've made every single t tournament, and then they improved. The problem is that they come from a region where it was easy for them to do that. It wasn't easy by any means, but like they did it without it, without anybody really questioning whether they would not, you know? Yeah, I think Crew has a better chance of winning this than Fnatic. Myself, yes, okay. yeah, like that's just kind of just sure. simply because of the performance of champions, right? Because if you like, sure, if they had an earlier Fnatic had a better earlier year, but like their performance, and then also when you add the the narrative behind it, of they come from a region that no one was expecting anyone to do anything, and have such an incredibly good performance of champions in particular, um, but also not just that they they had relatively even before that the other two events they had decent showings still like not great showings not good showings by any means um but decent showings and they had a blow up for material champ so but even if i do love fucking crew i don't think they should necessarily win this award though but i do think sure. they are fucking amazing I'm interested God, to see how many people. I think this is this award is clearly between Gambit and Ascend. Even though I love Crew, and I'm sure many people are fans of Sentinels, I think it's. I I'm just interested to see whether the fan vote aligns with that because I'm interested to see how deep the copium is for North America <laughs> in particular. I want to know how many people are on that Sentinels train. Okay, next up, the next potential Platchet Award. I mean, it is a plat chat award, not potential, but these are the potential winners. The Coach of the Year Award. First up, we have Aang, the stoic, brutally honest Russian for, uh, for Gambit. Uh, I mean, obviously was with Gambit for a while and was a part of their journey to, uh, you know, making 
deep in all these tournaments. Certainly, uh, certainly a, a potential nominee. I mean, I guess, I mean, honestly, a lot of the coach of the year, you're going to kind of need results, right? You could be a great coach, right, but, but you don't have results. It's just kind of out the window. Yeah, Josh, what, uh, and I do think that's, I do think that's valid. There has to be some correlation with results for sure. But to me, what I'm looking at more when it comes to coach of the year is the kind of stuff that I don't think is going to come from the players, right? And that's difficult to tell from an outside perspective, but I'm looking at kind of how elaborate are your setups? How much thought has gone into, um, how different people in different parts of the map synergize with each other your overall strategy when you head into a, a match or a map and that to me is concrete from gambit it's so good and i'm sure redguard does a lot of it and it's very difficult to tell how much is on who but the 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 amount of different setups and how fantastic they are defensively and how they can just flow from one setup into another and then also what they were um just talking about in terms of how much they um do practice and eng is constantly leading that practice obviously and they're one of the teams that practices the most i, I think probably they are the the team that practices yeah. the most in the world um and that's all been led by eng and they're so drilled in terms of all of these um plays that it leads me to give a lot of credit to that coaching staff not just because they get results there are other teams that have got excellent results this year that yeah. i wouldn't credit the coaches i mean obviously the sentinels they don't have a coach you know so it, obviously it's not all just about results yeah. but, what but i think Marcus, in this man? instance he's got yeah, the suit on. Yeah, he has the suit him. over the jersey yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean i think this next name is a good one to go off the back of i mean saying not necessarily having results though the results weren't poor but it's sliggy from team liquid i mean sliggy is one of the coaches that has been talked about the most since the dawn of the game because uh he's been pretty vocal about his opinions on vocal nice about his opinions catch. on it let me just break some shit to give for a funny moment oh, let me start breaking glass uh but Sleeky has been pretty vocal about his opinions on the game, the direction of Valorant, how he wants his team to be structured. Um, but then also, you know, when you actually look at the results, they've been good for Liquid, not amazing. What do you, what do you think I, about Sleeky for this, ball? I, th I think the, the positive thing, though, for Sleeky is that literally every single time they have good results, you can clearly tell the influence that Sleeky had on, mm -hmm. on those games, right? You think sure. about the Reykjavik qualifier. Just fucking sliggy out the wazoo, bro. He is fucking everywhere, all over those comps, the bind comp, all those strats that the that they had, and and that that's good. But also, I feel like part of that is a reason why Team Liquid, in some cases, wasn't able to excel because they were so so run by sliggy in a way. That that's how it felt at sometimes and throughout the year. And I'm like, well, okay, they can't do much else besides the stuff that they're bringing to the table, the new stuff that they're bringing to the table. So that's a that's a drawback. But in terms of the creativity stuff and how much he was able to bring into the team from from an outsider's perspective, he's like literally the only coach who you could straight up see his influence. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it might be tough for Crew to win Team of the Year, but perhaps their coach uh, Honor could win the coach of the year and i think that's a pretty fair shout honestly given that we had just seen him working with crew all year they every tournament as you said before Bala, just improvement from iceland to berlin they improved from berlin to champions they improved they just improved all year he worked with them all year surely that has to uh you know put him put him in the running right i mean you can't really ask 
for much more uh, from a coach than than that. Also, their baseline was, I mean, the one thing that we always harped on about this team uh, was that they always felt like out of all the other minor region teams and even many of the major, major region teams, their understanding of the, <laughs> such, of the flow it's of the such game. such a good tweet. <laughs> this is a really good tweet, actually. Their understanding of the flow of the game and their yeah. actual reads and adjustments were always so good, too. Like, when you watch them play, you could say, like, they they 100% understood what was happening. And it's very it's not very often you saw them just lost, right? It's like they, they had very good reads yeah. all the time. Obviously, how much of that is on the IGL, right? But surely you have to put some of that in the coach in terms of how well they managed to consistently understand what was happening in-game. That, that, that's a good point. Yeah. The, the, I think something that hasn't been talked about is the fucking crew timeouts. At least in Champions. Oh, right? yeah, Those the crew, crew timeouts. Fucking... Deadly mm. down down really? in the overtime very good timeouts. Yeah. Down yeah. on the match point places where they're up and they're just taking a timeout and they just win the game after it. It's like probably the most effective that you've seen. And you could tell not only I, I like that the first three coaches that we've we've seen, we've had like complete different uh like ways that we're appreciating their coaching from, right? Because Ang is like he's in the dark, you kind of see him talking during the game, but you really don't know what he does. Slicky, you know that he does a lot, and then er, owner, you don't really know you know by the timeouts but you also know based off the amount that their players are talking about owner and his contribution yes. to the team yes and how much like he was the leading like when you when you watch them in champions when you watch their celebrations when you watch them get on yeah. the stage you could tell he was the fucking leader of that team like yeah. everybody's looking towards him right Definitely. that's something that that's really cool uh out Definitely. of this coaching discussion absolutely uh next up we have mini from fanatic Josh, tell me about Mini. I'm just going to give you every single thing with Fnatic <laughs> in hopes that they use it for social content. You're an absolute nightmare. Um, okay, I think I think Mini, though, really does deserve this um, nomination for Coach of the Year, partly because there aren't a huge amount of coaches that um, we know have had big impact on teams, and Mini is certainly one of them because Boaster talks about how much Mini helps him come up with these kind of setups and strategies and Fnatic themselves are a very strat heavy team and so there you've got like this obvious path towards crediting Mini and giving him uh, and appreciating his input within the team I think as well as this something we haven't mentioned yet that applies to Sliggy owner and Mini actually is that all three of these coaches have made smart roster moves throughout the year to ensure that their roster gets better and, you know, for Sliggy, that's bringing in Yampi and Nevera. That's on Sliggy. That's that's him going out, finding these players. For Ona, he's getting Kesnit and bringing him in. For Mini, it's getting these players and uh, running these um, uh, trials to be able to get Durka and Magnum onto the team throughout 2021. Like, these are big moves that have been orchestrated by the coaches that also provide massive value to the team's success throughout the year. Um, so I, I do really think that Mini deserves uh, credit for how well Fnatic have done this year. Sure. And last, last nominee, NBS from Ascend. Surely the champions win. Got to get you a, a, a bit of a nomination. Another, another one of those coaches that uh, I saw as well when you, you had mentioned earlier with Aang from Gambit bringing up the amount of scrim time and practice time. Uh, I, I know he was uh, one of the other coaches that had brought up just how much they had been they had just been practicing throughout this year. Yeah, but interestingly yeah. with NBS, he's one of those coaches that actually believes less is more in a lot of instances. And so I think 
even if NBS gets a lot of success over the course of his career, if he keeps that philosophy, he probably won't win many of these awards because of the way that he kind of sets the team up. He sets the team up to be very uh, confident in themselves and the decisions that they're making and tries to empower them as much as possible. Is that a valid and really good coaching philosophy a lot of the time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's so different to what people traditionally appreciate from coaches. People think of great coaches as being the people with the strats or the people with the amazing timeouts or the people that have impact like within the server changing how the players play. NBS to me feels like more of the coach that's trying to figure out how to get the best out of his players. And if the best thing to do is just leave them alone at times, that's what he'll go for. Well, yeah. he also clearly had the most, he wins by default because of his Masters 1 performance, which is better than everybody else. <laughs> True, he literally, I mean, none of the other coaches IGL their team to do. I do really like that point, though. Um, but also, when I think about like other sports and esports and, and whatnot, I actually think that those coaches get a lot of credit um, in some regards. Like Phil Jackson, for example, from the NBA, like literally has one strat, and the rest of it is just empowerment of his players. Is one of the best coaches of all time. So, yeah, it might take longer to develop, and we'll still need that coaching like information gap to be filled to really understand that. But um, there's there's merit to it in a way that other coaches probably aren't in that regard either. For All sure. right. Next award. The match of the year award. What, do we, what was the biggest giga banger of 2021? This is hard. There's a lot of, there's actually amount. a lot on this giga banger list. The first giga banger. That's fine. Some of them, Kurt, uh, there's a lot on here, but some of these, I'm even just going to say myself, that shit's not winning. Cool match. Not winning an award, though. Like this first one. The Sen vs. Fnatic Reykjavik Finals. Cool match. First international land final. Not winning this award, though. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. No. <laughs> hey, say it's not even in the run-in to win the award? I think it's in the run-in. No, I'm just saying it's not. Do you see the other matches on this list? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they've been amazing just, matches. No, no, no. I'm like... going to give you one head-to-head. Sen vs. Fnatic Reykjavik Finals. And uh, where is it? Crew versus Sentinels in Champions. Come on. Okay, one is one is the first international final we've ever had in the game that absolutely uh, slapped, solidified oh, North America as being a dominant no. force within this esport, got a bunch of NA fans involved, cemented Sentinels on the map. The other's a group stage game. Don't Crew's care. Not in it. Don't Relax. care. Just because it's just because I'm gonna that's a logical fallacy here, and I'm gonna say why. I appreciate the wheel. And when the wheel was first invented, I bunch a bunch of cavemen lost their shit. But I don't care about the wheel anymore. I don't. I don't care about the wheel anymore. Nor do I care about Sentinel and Attic in Iceland anymore. So I'm just going to say it. I just, I don't care. The wheel's great. Avast, not you realize you get, you get around with wheels in your fucking car, bro. But I'm not excited. I don't go around and say, holy fuck. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not excited about the wheel. I, I appreciate that, but you know. So. I mean, honestly, just absolutely obliterated by facts and logic. Next on the list is Gambit versus Send, the Champions Final. Now, the Champions Final was really not gonna good. Not going to win an award. Not going to win. Not going to win. Not going to win. No, I don't think so either. Really good. Went to all five Agreed. maps. Really good. Not going to win. Too many of the maps. 
Not that exciting. Kurt, don't worry about pulling them all up. I'm gonna find I'm, I'm rifling through some of these because that's not winning. We can all agree that that's not winning, right? Yeah. Also, okay, all next European. one. Too, too much pausing, boring, you know. All European sleep. Yeah, all Europeans, <laughs> resident sleeper, slow gameplay, <laughs> resident sleeper. Now this not resident sleeper because it's Gambit versus Crew in the champion semifinal. <laughs> Fucking Omega banger. That was a giga banger. Unbelievable, unbelievable mega omega giga banger. That yeah. shit pounded. <laughs> yeah. And to me, it's for a couple of reasons. One, because it kind of was the the uh, either apex or finishing moment of the crew storyline, which is also incredible. Secondly, it gets the defending champions of Gambit from Berlin into the finals. Again, incredible storyline, just like from both directions. And then also the 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 fucking rounds on bind, bro. Oh, the yeah. rounds were I mean, just insane. It it's the series started with that crazy breeze comeback on defense from Gambit where Chronicle was just pounding to bring them back into that game. And then it finishes in the overtime on bind where he also brought them into it with that ace the Gambit players individually were just all popping at the end of this game, winning round. There was just individual play winning round. It was, uh, yeah, actually an insane game. The problem with this series, though, is that, yeah, Breeze was a, a comeback, but it ended 13 to 8, a sense, 13 to 7. Those two maps, at the end of the day, were not that exciting um, from a, like, they just weren't. And it was this last map that was the Giga Banger that cemented it with all the storylines cements it as a contender for sure i yeah. definitely would potentially vote for this match but i think it, it hurts to look at those first two maps but i think breeze added an intense emotional dynamic to this to this game because <laughs> you watched crew the underdog story go up eight four on defense on Breeze. It's like holy shit, they're gonna they're gonna do it, and then they yeah, get you in. rolled and they lose that first map and you're crushed, and then they bring it back on ascent. Which yeah, ascent nah, and then the last map, unbelievable. That's I, actually definitely. I, I might be downplaying ascent or uh, ascent a little bit because that that game was fucking cool too. The, the stuff that was going on with the um. Oh, I'm thinking of a different map now. <laughs> I, I mean, also, Ascent, Ascent I thought it was Gavin versus Ascent in the finals. That was way better. It was still good, though, because you think about it, like, obviously they had had, because I think at this point they had already had the match versus, was it X10, right, that beat Gambit on Ascent? Yes. Am yes. I thinking of? We so, like, knew that their Ascent was We knew cool. their Ascent wasn't that good, but narrative-wise, going into this, we thought Gambit's Ascent was really, really good, right? So there still was something. Like, even though they lost one map on it they'd lost it once in champs so like there was still potentially some viability that like they would have a really good ascent yeah. right there was no guarantee that they were going to lose that okay. map this next one is some absolute european copiates we have ascent versus <laughs> heretics from the masters one final i actually oh it dude, was so good all 2600 so people that watched that game loved it <laughs> Tell me about it, John. Oh, it was actually insane, though. Don't even bring up a clip. Just bring up the stats, please. Just, just, just okay, no, bring up the stats for, for one okay. moment. For one moment, look at the statistics because it tells the story a little bit. Look, no, 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 look at this. Look at this. Here, just scroll, scroll down. down. Scroll, scroll, scroll down. down. Oh, let's take a look. Look, bro. You are a dork. No, dude, come back. Look at the numbers. Oh, look. What? Ascend, I mean, Ascend won this game. No, don't scroll in that far. <laughs> I can't see a thing, can you? But everyone on Ascend is negative, and then CNED is plus 30, and they won the match 3-2, and they, 
like over, they toppled the defending giants of Europe at that point. And CNED put in a god performance, put himself on the map. This is where Ascend, the eventual champions of the year, come out swinging. It's also probably the best finals we've actually had mm. in Valorant in terms of a tournament final. It genuinely is. It was actually nuts mm. the entire way through. Well, like 6K ace rounds, just CNED popping the fuck off the entire time. Yeah. It was legit. If this was, if this was champions finals, it would win without even a fucking blink. Because this, this, this series... Y'all fucking looking at this and going, EU Copian is some NA Copian no, because this I, game was so fucking I good. remember it, it was, was good. The fucking Masters 1 NA Finals was some dog shit. I know. I, rem I, <laughs> like, I remember oh that it was God. good. This was the first but amazing series also, that I fucking experienced in VCT. It was the first love. It was our <laughs> first loves of 2021. This actually Honestly. has more of a shot of winning than the Fnatic Sentinels game, for sure. 100%, I think. Mm, I'll say it. Yeah, I'll say it. How do you just come back and I'll you're say like, it. oh, this is going to be you, Copium, and then you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're moving on. There's so many matches. Fnatic? We're moving on. It's time for NA Copium. It's time for, it. it's time for NA. We have 100 Thieves versus Rise in the LCQ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean <laughs> <laughs> this is some actual <laughs> NA copiates. We, I mean, it was like, all right, hold on, hold on. That game, that game I mean, was a gigabanger. It was uh, so fucking good. It was a good game. It was a good game. But the stakes in this were just, uh, they were not high enough. What do you mean? It's last chance qualifier. You bro, it's tired. Yeah, but it's this is this, 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 the NA region. They go to champs, they win champs. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it was a really good game, and it ended in cool fashion on, on Haven with the whole, the poised, the, holy shit, he's got the wall and the ults, and they went C, but then they went A, and then they won. It was cool. It was a cool match. But that being said, uh, I just, I don't think there's enough prestige around the match to just be, to, the emotional investment wasn't wasn't there Agreed. like it was for some of these other ones, you know? Was a Speaking banger, though. Also, I need water. Hold on. All right, okay. Gone. I need, I need to wait for Wyatt to come back for this point, because I think it actually influences the way that these votes will go. Actually, I don't mm. think you'll vote for the Ascend no, Heretics There's game. no... The, the, Bala, it's only me and you that will ever vote for the Ascend Heretics game. And yeah. I still... I, I'm going to be honest with you, Bala, I still wouldn't vote for it for... I actually... No, okay. I ranked them myself, and yeah. I can tell you it ranked fourth for me. It wow. was the, my fourth best match of 2021, and it but, hurt me to rank it that low, but okay, it was mostly ball? because but, but, it was okay. a okay, When you talk about like the 100 Thieves Rise series and game-ending moment and stuff like that, I think the, way, the reason why some of these series are really good is that they have such impactful rounds over and over and over. That's why the Gambit crew game in the end was really good, because Gambit's hanging on by a thread, and they're trying to come back and trying to come back. The, the Ascend Heretics game in that one, literally from... Icebox, uh, or, well, Icebox was map four. There was like seven map map ending, series ending, potential clutches that almost happened. Yeah. And over and over and over, it's just hanging on and hanging on. Those are the types of things that will really, really uh, push a match over the top, I think. Sure. And why 100 Thieves Rise is underrated. I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a very good game. Okay, next up, we have uh, Crew versus Sentinels at Champions. I mean... That game was a gigabanger. You had two huge comeback maps from yeah. Crew against Josh the most. Josh killed this one. The, the group stage argument. He already fucking killed this one. I mean, yeah, that's a that that is they the that win. is the problem. It's a group they stage, but it's the it's it's the underdog versus the absolute 
clout fucking machine that is Sentinels. So, like, the amount of viewers and hype that, that's around anything that has to do with the Sentinels and such an unbelievable... Also, the rather the fashion the that the comebacks, rather the fashion the that the that this match was won, which was through the comebacks, it was a crazy series. Yeah, no, so, I mean it, it is not biggest upset ever. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still. I think it still is. I think you could argue X ten over Envy, but I think you could argue it's, it's a bigger upset there. because of the nature, like X ten Envy. Like, I feel like the nature of the comebacks here made it a bigger upset because it was like statistically, like when well, you look at the round that differential. At L oh, I guess that well. did happen X and Envy as well, didn't yeah. it? Fuck. But Man. not not back to back. Sentinels yeah. was back to back maps. So but, so yeah, I don't know. But okay. but anyway, if this was gonna win, Gambit Crew was even better. So Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and it crew was a more themselves. pivotal part of the tournament. No, yeah. I don't think it was. I, I well, yeah, for sure, pivotal part of the tournament, one hundred percent. But I don't think it was a better, better match based on what oh. I said about the first two maps. The, the last map was a giga banger, but I liked the first map. I, I, I really was so good on this one. And then the first map too, was actually man. super sad, though, because it was like, yeah, crews are out really well, and they were kind of dominating, and then they just literally got flattened for their offense. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's that's because you were emotionally invested in crew. I was emotionally well, invested no, that, in Gambit, but, but the thing and is, I popped the, the fuck off. But is that a good match though? Because it wasn't back and forth. It was literally just one team ran over the other, and then the other team ran over the other. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'll tell was, you. There was moments well, that were like two versus fives and shit from I've Gambit. Got, I demand we move to. I've the next got match. a game. Uh, why? Okay. I I want to I want to nominate a game. I've got a game that meets that meets a vast criteria of one team flattening another and then the other team coming back and flattening. Okay, okay. And it was still a banger okay. that we're gonna talk about for so long, even though it wasn't the most important. It's a hundred thieves gambit from Berlin. I mean yeah. that oh. game, it was a group stage yeah. game, but an eleven three comeback with Hiko in that one v three. That you're gonna remember it. You're gonna remember it before you've like you'll have forgotten everything else about Berlin and you'll still remember that. People will still be talking about that. They'll yep. get it carved into Hiko's gravestone. Yeah, that, I mean, that also goes uh, right next to the 100 Thieves and Ascend at Berlin. I mean, those are two of the most unbelievable games of Valorant. I mean, those have to be absolutely both in the running near the top of this list. They were both incredible games with two incredible comebacks from 100 Thieves. Never in my life have I felt more American pride than in those moments. And when I saw Nitro playing Jet... <laughs> fucking eagles <laughs> crying i mean it was just unbelievable uh, it was yeah. pretty pretty astounding those two matches definitely both on the list also what what else do we have we have uh sentinels versus team liquid at champions i mean that was a really good game but also i think that falls into the group stage the trap of being in a group stage i think the only game that was a banger I think the only one that won't fall into that trap is that 100 Thieves Gambit game because some of those, mo like that Hiko clutch and the comeback is just so iconic. No, the crew, the crew one should be allowed to because of the comebacks associated with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think it can yeah. be, but yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, and it was it's, an it's elimination, which 100 Yeah, and it was also a enough. minor region team showing this, right? Like, there's still other elements to it that are big besides, like, just, like, group stage. If, if the 100 Thieves one... I mean, there. Though I guess with an A now, that is a minor region playing. So I, mean, I think I would say this is the hardest category to decide because it's purely and utterly subjective, depending on how invested you were at the time in the match yeah, and yep. what your like viewing experience was like, who you were watching, cast the yep. game, or like you know, do your co-stream of the game, or however you were watching it. Mm. So 
who you were with. <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? Yep. All right. <laughs> what stage uh, of your life you're in? Uh, exactly. Oh, there's one more. Version one, new turn at Reykjavik. That was a what really good game. You were in, but yeah. <laughs> All right, that's Next a fun one. game, but I don't know. I don't know if anyone's gonna be what defending did you that say? one. I'm just laughing. <laughs> what? We Josh got... said something, and I started laughing, and I don't know what he said. So now I might look like a fucking idiot. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I didn't even Doesn't hear what matter. he said either. He said something cheeky because he started smiling too, expecting a response. Like he's, he said it's something cheeky, but I didn't hear it. Didn't, yeah. he said it. didn't hear it either. Perfect. Hold this L. Next category. The in-game leader of the year. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Redgar? Mate, how couldn't it be? I'm just going to... Uh, there are other nominees, of course, but to me... All of the reasons why Eng would be my favorite for coach, Regar would be my favorite for IGL. And yeah, Bone Cole made a tweet after Champions saying, I am the best IGL in the world. And I think <laughs> to some extent, Ascend really did outplay Gambit in that, well, hello, in that oh. uh, Champions game. But throughout the year, Regar's IGLing has been phenomenal. And, and even if you have a bunch of preset stuff, being able to flow from one to the other and like how he, uh works people around the map and and uses the pieces that he has available to him and then also just this masterclass performance he did at champions on fracture as well where it's really about how he manipulates the pieces and where he's telling people to push and the timings that he's going for i'm i'm in love with the redgar igl and i'm not gonna lie i'm hardcore simping out here yeah i can tell i mean the next nominee is one that i i have spent some time what you just, just fucking roasted him. Just you just obliterated him. I mean, it was just nothing. It was casual. I mean, the next one is one. Of, I mean, listen, you're allowed to simp for Redguard because I've done an, an unbelievable amount of simpery for Shazam on this podcast for the last year and a half. Uh, and I will probably continue to do so in this moment because I do think that despite the, the year end for, for Sentinels, I do think Shaz deserves an immense amount of credit for the... Uh, the undertaking of leading that team with no, with him, he is the, he's the support structure. He is the staff. He does, I mean, he, he just has done an immense amount of work for the team. And he is, he that, is fucking brimstone holding up the earth. Yeah, he actually <laughs> is. And, and that along with playing really well individually all year. Um, so, I, I mean, just... An absolute top tier IGL has to certainly be in the conversation for IGL of the year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I wanted to argue for Shazam, but yeah. when Josh argued for Redgar, and then I thought about like what Redgar plays and like how he just puts himself into that idea of him doing a lot of different things and again, but having a million different setups. Um, you also see the amount of ways that they play with certain setups. And the amount of roles that Redguard plays. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, Shazam just fucking plays the same shit. <laughs> yeah, the dude only plays okay. Sova and Jet to a top level. No, he plays Breach. Not. He plays Breach. Yeah, Breach yeah. is Breach is good too. And Sky. Really I know sure. his Sky is on the same level as of those other agents. Though. Haters everywhere. But like, but definitely, his breach should definitely Haters be mentioned everywhere. in like terms of like what we little we saw of it should be mentioned as like an agent that he looked really good on. So I, I also think it's really cool that he was like one of the few people who could IGL on Jet, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, he's a Jet IGL! This guy's cracked out!" Um, I actually think that that is that is cool because I think that that is such a stupid narrative 
that you have to IGL on a role that isn't a character, like a like a duelist role. Yeah, I think that's such a stupid theme that the community has. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's got individually. Shazam was just so good this year. Um, next on the list is Vanity. Do we think that Vanity is going to be potentially winning? That Paul doesn't know what the fuck I said that, but it was from a green screen clip of Josh. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a clip. But do we think that Vanity has a chance of an IGL of the year? I mean, certainly one of the top tier IGLs of the game. No one can dispute that. Uh, finishing the year with Cloud9 winning the LCQ. Pretty good showing for, for Cloud9's first international LAN as well. Um, That's a cool at, last name. At Champions. And obviously made Reykjavik as well. So. Here's the argument for, for Vanity. I think he's the only guy who you could literally say for sure he his IGLing is the reason why his teams made it to the international lens. Right? Yes. Yeah. Everybody else you can't really say that about. Yeah. Is someone playing Among Us? Does anyone keep hearing that beeping like a crewmate just died? I swear to fucking God. Is Kurt playing Among Us on the production BC? Am I going crazy? Am I going fucking crazy? Do you It's coming from Josh. Oh, Josh? Josh yeah, is playing I, Among Us on his other monitor. It keeps it like someone, a crewmate was ejected. It wasn't the fucking imposter. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. I swear to fucking God. I don't know what it is. It's probably an application running in the background, but it Jesus, shouldn't be coming up. I'm sorry. That was, I'm sorry. Oh, this God. is driving me crazy. Because we started talking about Vanity, the imposter from V1 yeah, joined Cloud9. Out. I out. <laughs> well, I, wa I wanted to uh, talk about as well that, that maybe with all of this you you never really know what the IGL and the coaches are doing for the team unless the team talks about it. We don't really get access to the comms. And so you only know what IGLs do within the structure of their team, right? Most of the time, because the game's so young, you don't really know whether an IGL is great or whether their team's great or whether their coach is great. You don't have the chance to see a control experiment. But for Vanity, you really do. Like we've seen him in two different teams and he's been able to use his pieces extremely effectively in both teams and get them both to major lands that they wouldn't have otherwise got to. Like, I, I'm guaranteeing they wouldn't have got to those events without Vanity there. So yeah. he's got to be in the running to actually win the award, I would say. Because when you look at the impact versus him not being on the team, like you just get a random average IGL and put him in there, you 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 don't know for a fact that these other teams would be significantly worse. You can you could be pretty confident with people like Red Garchaz, Boaster, those kind of people. But for Vanity, I mean, it's just they're slapping you in front of the face like this. This guy makes teams good. Yeah, yeah. the factor though that we're not taking into account is he did it in an inferior region that was proven that NA is worse at champions. True. So. True. Yeah, I mean, actually, True. sadly accurate. <laughs> From the superior region, we have Boaster of Fnatic. I mean, Boaster, <laughs> certainly at the very least uh, a nominee for what he's done with Fnatic over this over this past year. Um, you know, managing uh, managing to run the team at what seemed like at the beginning of the year from accounts from the players with a uh, pretty strict regiment. He was kind of micromanaging. See, that rollist is what an IGL should look like. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. he even played, when the hell did he play Jet? <laughs> But when was Poster playing Jet and Reyna? Split, oh, finals. Wait, was he playing it for Not UK? Finals, I'm talking about um, oh, yeah. the qualifying match yeah. against Liquid. I think, no, he was playing Reyna uh, on Split. 
oh, when he right. played against Liquid. I think yeah, that's right, from, right, right. I think he was playing it with Team UK or something. Oh, I think maybe. that's from like a troll tournament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but anyhow, yeah, Boaster uh, certainly a nominee for the run at uh, Reykjavik. Yeah, and I was just going to say, known as one of the IGLs who who is pretty regimented with his team. Um, from accounts in the players, a lot of you know he'll, he he creates a lot of the plays. He creates a lot of the setups that they have, the little util micro pieces, yeah. little util combo pieces. He's really involved with that. And uh, maybe it it uh, tapered off towards the end of the year, but at the beginning was like pretty heavy with the micromanaging, commanding his players, actual general boaster on the roster. If you were if. <laughs> If you were to make an argument for him to win this, uh, I think you'd have to also mention the fact that almost every single one of his players came from different games. And mm -hmm. so he's, well, that maybe was, when did when did Sack and Doma leave? Or, um, like two Mo months leave? into the year, I think. Okay, yeah. it was. Okay, so anyways, this, so that that applies there more more so. But even Magnum and Durka, for for some, uh, didn't have that deep of experience in some of the attack FPS. So that's something that he had to work on a lot was bringing these guys up to speed, and he did. Like holy shit, he did at, at, at the Reykjavik finals. I was so impressed with the amount of fundamentally good plays that everybody was able to make. However, I think that he eventually all that stuff caught up to him where he wasn't able to actually call at the highest level in champions. Um, I think he was outdone by so many different IGLs in terms of his adaptation, his mid-round calling, um, and actually implementing some of the strats when faced with a match situation. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, mm. one thing from, one point of credit from champions could certainly be their fracture and how he, uh, uh, developed their their play on that map. One of the better early fracture teams coming up with a lot of little set plays for that map that we're seeing a lot of continued success in the uh, champions. Tournament. Also, still had strong individual performances on land. Oh yeah, I mean he was That's a landable at both so, lands. Yeah. He was individually he was playing really well, and individually at this land, Bone Cold was playing very well. I mean the actual the Bone Cold redemption arc did happen from Berlin to Champions because at the, at the top of the year with uh, at the top of the year Ascend when they won that Masters tournament that you guys were creaming about and for a while after the games with Ascend Bone Cold was a straight up fragger on that team like when he was playing Omen a lot when before the existence of Astra and when Astra wasn't totally dominating the meta like he. He was popping off. He he was a really strong fragger for the team. And he got really, I think, maybe in a general sense, underrated because of that Berlin performance when that was clearly his worst performing tournament. And, uh, you know, we had talked the length about a lot of that being from like, it looked like the dude just overheated trying to lead the team. He couldn't even think about what he was doing individually at some point. Um, and now coming into champions with the role swap with him playing more initiator, I mean, he was just back to popping off. He was playing really well individually, obviously led his team to the champions victory. What do you, what do you guys make of his whole year, though, and this nomination? I think it's really interesting, the idea that he posted this tweet afterwards saying that I'm the best IGL. I mean, he, he is the IGL on the winning team, and I think there could be an argument that he was the best IGL at champions with how Ascend plays. You know, they set up this, like, early advantage for themselves a lot by trying to take some piece of the map or whatever, and then they'll try and adapt and make adaptations based off that so a lot of what they do is a bit of setup and then working from that setup what does your opponent do to react to your setup and then it's mid-rounding from there to try and find an advantage based on exploiting your opponent and and that does take 
good IGLing. Like that isn't just implementing strats. That's calling on the fly and calling the right reaction to what your opponent's trying to run. Um, the problem to me for IGL of the year is that it can't just be one tournament. And he wasn't just mediocre at Berlin. He was... Um, it sounds really harsh to say he was detrimental to the team, but he he was. It was one of the major failings of their match, particularly against Vision Strikers, is when I noticed it the most. But um, I, I think it extended throughout quite a, a lot of the tournament was that they just ended up doing the same things repeatedly and couldn't come up with the right answers during, uh, during rounds to try and uh, counter their opponents. And that's the kind of stuff that you would expect from an IGL. Now, he was pretty young. He wasn't IGL in the team at the beginning. That was called a mentor. And then when he took over, he didn't do incredibly. So the question becomes, if you're the best IGL at Champions, does that make you the best throughout the year when you clearly weren't for any of the rest of the year? To me, it doesn't. But I, again, that comes down to how much you rate Champions. Sure. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Next on the list from NA, we have FNS. Leader of uh, Team Envy. I mean, Envy, one of the most consistent teams in the scene for sure. Champions was the first time they haven't made a top four in probably all year, I would imagine. Um, they have just been mega consistent in NA, always hanging around essentially the number two spot if you were to make a power ranking at any time. And I think a lot of that is due to the FNS leadership on the team. He's He's been with them since the beginning. I'm sure it was a part of making some of the good roster moves that they made throughout this year, bringing in Marv, bringing in Ye. Um, I think individually towards the end of the year, he's had some some pretty solid tournaments as well. Um, but will the lack of tournament wins, et cetera, compared to the other IGLs on this list, does that just kind of hold him back? I mean, also, they kind of fell apart in a lot of very clutch situations, right? Which is something, obviously, it's not something you can suddenly say, like, oh, FNS is the reason they fell apart, right? That's kind of, like, dumb. Like, it's obviously not on him. But when you consider that it happened, you know, several times, it seemed, I feel like, and you look at the teams where they had so much adaptation when they were things were going wrong with them, when you consider, like, Redgar, for example, for Gambit, um, when they were hitting brick walls, they shifted and they changed a lot. And also, he still maintained strong individual performances. Well, actually, I think FNS ended the year actually at a much better individual level than he started the year at times um i don't know i just don't think he's like currently can we really put him in the same category as some of the other players like like redgar shazam etc right and like he definitely has had very strong moments but i don't know if he's really in the same tier yet until he's able to like find a real groove within me i think which they've never been able to keep sure yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I think definitely has done enough to earn a, a nomination on the list, but um not not quite enough for the win compared to some of the others at the moment. Uh, and last on the list, Steel from a hundred thieves. Um certainly one of the uh best IGLs from NA, but Unfortunately, his 2021 story kind of got cut short because he got cut. So, I mean, there's, that is uh, probably enough to, Kurt, probably, probably enough to maybe get a bit of a nomination, but I don't think he's going to be winning this award. Well, consider this. Steel was on 100 Thieves when he made you feel 
American again, okay? Yeah, a Canadian, as, as a Canadian IGL. <laughs> just imagine. As a Canadian IGL, I have never had more United States pride than when they beat Ascend. But I don't yes. think that'll be enough. Okay. The final award. The roster move of the year. These are pretty interesting. This is, this is actual, this is a kind of a banger award. I'm not going to lie. Number one, yay to envy. I mean, that is a damn good one. Josh? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the yay to envy argument. I think that this was a, obviously an excellent move because it was a massive upgrade. They picked up an incredible player, one of our nominees for player of the year because he's that damn good. And also what I like about this move is how opportunistic it was. This wasn't an obvious um open and shut case it might feel like it in hindsight but at the time you're you just qualified to be able to get to berlin and you are cutting a player or rather sorry they had qualified to challenges finals right and they were fighting to qualify for berlin was that the timing of it something like yeah. that they, i think they right. they just made it to challenges finals and they had to be able to um win at challengers finals with a replacement player and they had just cut their like one of the, a, a good player to go for a really opportunistic upgrade so this is like an unusual pickup which i think elevates it a little bit because it's not just your bog standard anyone could have made this move um and it paid off massively for them i don't think there's any world where they get to the finals of berlin without yay yeah pretty damn true it's interesting i, mean, I, I feel like Without the Marved move, though, this move doesn't work. Is that, mm. is that weird? You no, know, honestly, the... that's not a crazy take. It's really Marv, especially Champions, I felt was was up there in terms of their most consistent player. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that Ye, like isn't a, a, yeah, not a good move. Over. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying that without that, they would have been lacking such a crucial part, of, which was a dedicated Smokes player um, to the team. I mean, Mame would have been playing it, but. Mark was just that much better. And that's a piece that you have needed to implement a little bit longer. Because if they did that, for example, right at Challenge Playoff, I think that's way, way too little time to be able to implement your your, your Smokes player. So without that, it doesn't work. Maybe? Mm. It's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Mm. I mean, kind of both those moves in tandem were huge, and they came one after another. Um, I can see what you're saying, though. I mean, obviously, on this list, you're going to have tens to Sentinels, right? The the million dollar transaction of tens to, to sentinels has to be on here. I mean, it obviously, it, it also just sent sentinels into the stratosphere for that. Like, I don't know if you want to call it a honeymoon era, whatever it was where things were just clicking and they just absolutely crushed um, for the, the first few months that he was on the team. And I, I suppose, again, it's just kind of a question of like, well, actually, I, mean, I suppose there's more with, with talking about tens in this one than just how did he perform at the end of the year, but with such an immense price tag and everything around it as well. Um, was it <laughs> worth it? Clout aside, was it worth it for... Um, I think that's important. Yeah, clout aside, was this the roster move of the year to help Sentinels win titles and play well throughout the year? I mean, it certainly worked for the first half of the year, and it worked up until... Berlin, where even at Berlin, Tens when he was on Jet was still crazy. If I remember correctly, like his KPR was still like 1.24 on Jet. He was still pounding at Berlin when he was playing Jet. Um, so what do you what do you guys think? 
I I think that, well, first of all, there's questions about when he even got signed because the story from the players and the story from Jack was different, right? Jack said that the deal was the deal was already done before Reykjavik, but they were just waiting to tell the players at Reykjavik, something like that. The players like, oh, we didn't know, and reports were coming out that it was done after Reykjavik or something. Uh, it, the point being that they had already made the loan before that. But if, if you want to include Reykjavik, they signed the player and they instantly got a championship or like a master's win off the back of it so you've got success immediately but i don't think he was a natural fit for the team they had to shuffle other people to try and like fit him in and shaz had to move away from his standard role and learn a different role it's not like the envy move where yay had a space carved out for him and they were actually missing that star jet opera they already had Shaz playing a really good role and they actually were missing a different role and had to kind of move move pieces about. So I think in that sense, it also became a little awkward for them and you saw the ramifications of that later on down the year. Sure. It's also pretty hard to disentangle this move from the clout. Business. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to disentangle this move from that. But at the time, I think, and when you think about the success that Sentinels overall had throughout the year, it was still a good move for them right like you could argue that maybe there are there are pieces you could have put in place that would potentially have put sentinels in a better position end of year but when you think about the the iceland performance and and also just the overall domestic dominance and still pretty good results at international events though not amazing uh, comparatively um, and, and also the landscape of North America at the time that tens in this this transaction happened, I still feel like it makes the list. You know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, right. It is hard to untangle business ramifications, but like when you think yeah. about just gameplay, you still think about the fact that they brought tens out of retirement. Without this move, tens would still be fucking making content for Cloud Nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're right. Wouldn't even be on the player of the year list. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, another really good one next here. Nevera to Liquid. I mean, Liquid were just on the edge of being amazing. And Nevera was just a little kick over the edge. And they just reached a whole new level. Um, also just impressive how good he was off the jump in his first tournament. Um, just so well integrated into the team. They immediately were using like uh, it's actually crazy how much they got out of nevera coming into the into the game playing his first tournaments they were using him on multiple roles he filled the silver role for them on maps where they needed he was playing killjoy well for them they were using him in a unique way with having him being a part of the double op setup they're the only team that really used that at all his rifling was really solid from the get-go he played a number of agents for them i mean what a what a pickup, honestly. A gr I mean, just a great move from Liquid. It's an absolutely elite level pickup. I think if it had been done earlier on in the year, like had I mean, like had the awards season started, I don't know how you would even construct this fake world that I'm imagining here. But yeah, like, no, it's, it's just the esports awards. Ah, <laughs> yes. If you had had if you'd had this situation with Liquid happen earlier on, so we got to see more time with them, mm -hmm. then I think this could be a candidate for 
uh, like hands down winner. I think this really is the caliber of move that will pay off dividends down the road. And you'll look back a year from now and be like, holy crap, this was an amazing move. But it was just too late towards the end of the year for me. I mean, like they, they only got to play in two tournaments. <laughs> you, you, yeah. I, I don't, you can't have it as roster move of the year, in my opinion, even though it's a god tier move. I really am high on Nivera joining this team. I think he's been a fantastic talent. I think he's been one of the best talents that's come fresh from CS to uh, Valorant. He's just immediately slotted in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, another, well, another player who just came from CS this year was Ethan for 100 Thieves. Um, I think also uh, is going to be a, a nominee here. Um, I mean, Ethan had a really consistent year for the most part for 100 Thieves. Um, if, if I remember correctly, I don't think he was amazing off the jump, but you could clearly see he was really good and would eventually reach, I think, some of the heights that he did. Um, and and in, with pretty quick pace, he got to a really high level for the team, played some initiator roles really well for them with the Sky, his Sage for a while in NA, which was kind of when I was talking about that Ascend-inspired era of 100 Thieves. I think a lot of that was when he was started playing a lot of Sage, like a reminiscent of like a Lowell um, for, for Heretics at the beginning of the year. He was really good. His Sage was, was pretty dominant at that time. Um, and playing the Smokes role as well when he was on Omen. Played a number of good roles for 100 Thieves, consistent throughout the year, and was a part of the duo that brought them success because when they were getting wins it was ethan and asana just tearing up the server like that that duo yeah i mean also he at times looked like the most consistent player like one of the most consistently impactful players in north america um and he just looked really really good on just about every role he had played for them Obviously, they had a bit of a role shuffle, you know, with because their Nitro was amazing at Smokes. And they had even played Smokes for a little bit, but and then they had the Sage and like he played a couple different things for them. And they were figuring out the roles, but I think the role when you think of the overall impact it had on 100 Thieves, it's up there in terms of just putting a player they needed. They absolutely needed Ethan, I think, on 100 Thieves to kind of make that roster work. Yeah, I mean, after Champions, this one is definitely in the conversation as well. Just which is Kesnit to Crew. I mean, I don't yeah. know, do you want to tackle that, Josh? Well, I don't know too much about like what the initial stuff that Kesnet was doing before he joined Crew, because they only really the team only came onto my radar um, as a serious contender for going deep in international tournaments afterwards. But I believe he was a streamer for crew the organization before he joined the team really? and i'm sure there'll be some like latam fans that'll correct me there but that's what liquipedia yeah. lists him as and i don't know like what competitive experience he'd had that kind of thing i'm i'm really ignorant on that fact but it ranges anywhere from unbelievable gigabrain pickup to just massive addition of firepower which is exactly what the team needed i mean like worst case scenario it's an amazing pickup because it just adds a star player to your team that otherwise has a relatively inconsistent jet player as your best um, firepower element. And and it just wouldn't be in the position that they're in without Kesnet. Um, so I think it was a fantastic move, bordering on Megamind if more details were unveiled to me potentially about sure. how he was discovered or whatever. Yeah. Um, vanity to cloud nine. I mean, we were, yeah, we were talking about the impact of Vanity's IGLing. 
um, and how that has just directly correlated with the teams he's left and then joined. I think this one's really, really cool just because you could... Oh, for all these other teams, they had success before. Like, Envy was a top-four team in the in the region. They could probably have made it to Berlin in the, in the other case. Um, Liquid, same thing. Sentinels, obviously. Uh, but for Vanity, Cloud9 was not doing well whatsoever. They were struggling with roster stuff. They were struggling with IGLing. They are struggling with everything. And then Vanity comes on after they finally get rid of Floppy. Um, and they just start playing well and they make it to the best placing team in NA uh, at Champions. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is... Durga and Magnum to Fnatic is... A big move. I mean, that is a really give it too fast. Big <laughs> move, Josh. Ah, let me let no, me no, 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 no. Josh, that's a like big move. Oh, is he already prepared? I mean, Durka has to be at least a top twenty-one player this year. And I think I think he's exactly top twenty-one of the year. Yeah, if I had to rate him, and uh, yeah, I think he's probably the best jet in his group, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. No, I think. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I wanted this one on the list and it's a bit cheating because it's two moves in one, but unlike, I mean, if you're thinking about Liquid, Liquid added like Yampi and then a couple of months later they add Navera. The Fnatic move is at the same time, they realize that they need a big shift in terms of how the team works. Two players leave and they're trialing two players at the same time, trying to get this this element that they're, that they're lacking, that they're missing. And the improvement for Fnatic was dramatic. They went from a team that had cool ideas, but was not really getting getting that deep. Like they had that one tournament of first strike where it was like, oh, yeah. damn, these guys are actually really good. But they needed that kick to get into the... To, to get into the top tier and Durka and Magnum were it they've they've looked I mean Magnum online has looked incredible th even throughout their dark periods where Fnatic weren't doing so well and Durka at LAN has just been insanely good so the two have still been putting up very good performances even now giving credit to the idea that they were excellent pickups back then and if I think about where Fnatic would have been had they stuck with that former roster, I'm not convinced we would have them on our radar whatsoever. I, I mean, I certainly don't think they would have got second to Reykjavik. They certainly wouldn't have made champions off the back of that. They would just be a team yeah. that occasionally has cool ideas and that you would mock me for looking at their VODs like 10-star or some shit. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, oh, you're fucking bringing up the Fnatic VODs again. You're like that yeah. boaster guy because he does some silly dances, do you? And that's <laughs> it. That's, that's how you would describe Fnatic to me. Yeah, they were just the injection of crazy firepower that that team needed. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And yeah, goddamn Magnum is so good too. I'm just thinking back to, to some of the Magnum plays at Reykjavik. He was just so good. Yeah, like the good. flash at 1210. I was thinking about Icebox. There's something with him on Icebox, and there was a Viper's Pit, and he was running around killing people. And it was cool. That <laughs> <laughs> was a good pickup, is what I'm getting at. Last on the list. This is a good. Hold on. This is actually a good low key sleeper pick. The Zeke to Ascend. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. That is a good one because 
I remember when this happened as well. There were a lot of questions like, whoa, what's going to happen? Who's going to lead the team? What's going to happen? IGLs. Cold event is gone. And then Zeke joins. After being pretty uh, eh on G2. Now, whether that was, you know, his, how much of that is on him yeah, and how much G2. of that was on G2 misusing him. I think is probably a lot in the latter, especially looking at this with hindsight, um, because he's just found so much more success on ascend in this uh, flex role um, than than he was playing what he was playing on G two, um, and in in that system at the beginning of the year. But this is actually kind of a sleeper. That's a pretty good the, one. The reason I I wanted this one on on my list as well and the reason it features pretty highly on how i would rank them across the year is that it really wasn't a natural pick again I, if you just as a pundit were trying to pick somebody to replace calder mentor for ascend you wouldn't pick a guy who didn't want to igl you, you know you the Addition of Zeke would be fine if he wanted to go back to IGLing like he was on Nolpenki, but he'd already asserted on G2 that he didn't want the firm IGL position. And so that had to go to someone else within the team, and no one else had experience. And we'd had interviews with Bonecold where he was talking about how much Coldementor's prep and IGLing meant to their success. And so it seemed like this is a really risky pickup. Unless someone else fills those shoes and they feel confident someone else can, this is not going to go well. And then the style that they play and how they've implemented um, the the looser strategy stuff. So they don't have um, extremely strict micromanagement. They give a lot of freedom to their players to make individual stuff, and then they react off the back of that. And then how well Bonkold's eventually grown into the role has all made this move in hindsight look genius when yeah. it really wasn't obvious at the time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... I would have never... Have, honestly, I don't think I would have even thought of this move. And then reading it on the list, yeah, with, with the power of hindsight... I mean, they've just used him to such an excellent effect. And he's just, he's been so consistent. He's played a number of good roles in the flex position. He, he's been good at both the lands that they attended. I mean, he was unreal at champions and he was really good at Berlin too. Yeah, what, a, what, a, what an actual gigabrain move from Ascend that you can kind of only establish as a gigabrain with hindsight, which is, yeah, doesn't mean it's, I mean, it's just... I I think one of the problems for me with it, though, is that it just kind of felt, I mean, maybe this is how, like, we shouldn't have thought about it in the moment, but it felt just kind of happenstance, because G2 took Cold Dementa, and then Zeke's free, and it's like, okay, yeah, like, we'll take Zeke, whatever, but, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, you actually think now, the fact that they established this Polish duo on, on Ascend is massive, I think that these... Zeke and Starkso became the emotional leaders for that team. And that's something that they 100% needed. And a, and a big reason for why, what you said about MBS as well, why they were able to be so confident and poised um, coming into champions. Yeah. Well, that is, that is the last one. So there are all of your nominees for the 2021 Plat Chat Awards um, for the Player of the Year, Team of the Year, Coach, Match, IGL, and roster move of the year. And then next week, we are going to uh, announce our winners. Um, so make sure to tune in for that. Uh, Kurt, how, how, is that, how, how have we decided on how the system is going to work for this? Do we want to just all anonymously give our winner for each? 
and then to you, and then we can have a piece of paper and reveal it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. I, think I like that, that. I think that would be fun. And I like then, that a lot. Uh, yeah, okay. Then do we want to do a, the community vote thing just for fun? Uh, nominations? Uh, well, Josh I think didn't uh, want to do that. Yeah, you want to do both be. for fun? Or? Well, but well, also, Upcomer are doing a community vote for a lot oh, of the same they? kind of things. Yeah, so I think it would just be fun to compare them perhaps to the community votes over there rather than run our own separate thing as well. Or, or sure. also because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, no, actually, it's that I don't want to know that our viewers are done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our viewers are really smart. We have it one... is better to close one's mouth. <laughs> we have one topic left and it's my weekly award kurt roll the videotape sage down headshot oh hey <laughs> didn't see you there that's why it's weekly oh shit <laughs> <laughs> wow. i got the weekly award but it faces it this way <laughs> sage down this week the weekly award i'm giving it to Vivo Keed, because they've only gone and done it. They dropped the bag. <laughs> they dropped the I'm... bag on MW0 today. Ah! Did you guys see the report? Okay. They, no, they, I didn't, actually. I didn't see this. They've only gone and done it. They've spent 500... I, I don't... I, I'm confused by how currency works. I'm not the CEO of money, like how <laughs> Connor is the CEO of money. Yeah. But they... I, I don't know. They, they've spent an immense amount of money to... It's like eighty-two thousand dollars. Hmm. It's like eighty-two thousand dollars. See, I saw that. Then I saw people saying it was more. I saw people. Uh, dude, I don't know what's going on. Oh, I don't know how addition yeah, works or subtraction. Yeah, can't you just put it to a converter, like a currency converter? <laughs> you see, that's what people were doing, but then people were like, "No, that's wrong." Dude, I don't know what's going on. Okay. All I know is they spent money and a lot of it to lock up MW Zero for twenty twenty-two. They got them. They got heat. They've got MW. They've got Marie's. It's fucking happening. This is the wise weekly award. I'm the most upset about yep. ever. This is, I mean, I, like, Stay this... mad. Once again, haters are everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're here. They're the, on this podcast. The Vio Keed fans are about to feast in 2022. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's it. It's just Vivo Keyed for Vivo dropping Keyed the bag. Yep. Keeping the player, just keeping MW0. Well, they didn't have them before. They didn't, so they're not keeping them. They're, they're uh, well, I'm, yeah. you know. They, they, I mean, they're they kind of keeping of, them. He's staying. <laughs> yeah, it's not even yeah, really it's like, I mean, it's like he, a major acquisition. He was he played with them, so it's like they're he keeping He playing with them on loan. You know? They were borrowing him. Yeah, what now, do you mean? Haters everywhere. Why? What is this shit? <laughs> Yep. Hey, once again, I mean, this is just proof. Haters everywhere. I think you're going to be a flip-flopper and end up supporting one of the other Brazilian teams once they form a super team anyway. I think this love for Vivo Kid is short-lived. No, no, I mean, I love both. I love Vivo Kid and I love Loud. And I love uh, MIBR with GTN's new roster. Well, you're going to love NIP, too. You're going to love it. <laughs> I might not love NIP. I don't know what they're no, doing. you're going to love it. I don't know what NIP are up to, I'll be honest. But maybe I'll love NIP, team. too. We shall see. Yeah, is that, is that was there any like was there breaking news during the episode? Did one of those things happen, or are we just did we cover it all? Uh, yeah, there was a very important tweet from Dapper. Don't actually look at the tweet; it's not worth looking at the tweet. Oh, I, geez, okay, don't, don't bother. We're, don't we're bother not going to open that. Any, so no breaking news. 
Is, is this no, it? As far as I'm aware. Is this the end of the end of the show? Guys, this is really end sad. Of year. Happy New Year, by the way. Guys. Happy oh, New yeah. Year. Happy New Year. Huh? Guys, if you're having a ha- if you happy new year, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube. What the fuck? The pop-up has come up. And also leave a comment, huh? About what? Um, new Year's resolution. Mm. Ah, there we go. What's, oh, wait, What's your New Year's right. resolution? Are you going to yeah. go to the gym? Are you going to play more Valorant? Uh, what are you going to do? Josh, what's your New Year's resolution? I never make them because my will is weak. And I <laughs> Honestly, that's I can't stick to them. What if you made a resolution <laughs> to improve your will? Do, uh, do you know what my... Wow, that's so meta, I wouldn't even know where to begin with it. I mean, I, I, there's some very obvious solutions. So you get Beth to just, like, perform various, like, like various things that push your mental strength to the limit without your knowledge, and then you have to resist it, and eventually you come out and you're able to make resolutions. But, but all of those would require me to want to do... It. No, You're saying not if it I have to force my girlfriend to torture me for a year. No, you would have to force her. To... She, you, she would, she would see this. I don't think she'd want to. What are you <laughs> trying to imply that she'd be willing to Guantanamo Bay me? Because she understands at the end back. of it, you're you're going to be a better person. <laughs> do you know what my resolution was last year i'll tell you how shit i am at them last year i was like oh you know it's uh, it's new year's the guys next door we're gonna be moving in there they've got a gym i'll go and use that i, I you know i'm not gonna set strict limits on myself let's say i'll use it once a week i mean <laughs> how I many can, times have i been over there wyatt i can tell you that it's absolutely zero times i mean <laughs> the closest you've gotten to working out the closest the closest i mean actually i don't even i'm not sure what the close the closest you've gotten to working out this year has been destroying watermelons and pumpkins with the sledgehammer and playing yep. top golf and oh, your basketball. Oh, basketball oh yeah we did play a lot of basketball oh, you're the right. basketball yeah uh, that's a very active right. one the most out of breath i got all year was trying to defend esports Doug in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the guy's lively. Yeah, he's he is a lively. lively man. I can't wait to hear some a commentator for NBA say that. It's like, oh, he's looking real lively on the court. <laughs> 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 All right, let's 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 wrap this one up. Oh, uh, oh, guys, oh, we don't get to see each other for a week. Oh, a whole year? What are you talking about? No, not until next year, guys. No. Oh, wait, that's so crazy. Next time we talk, it's going to be next year. Whoa. Yeah. What the fuck? All right, Kurt, end the episode. <laughs> <laughs>